Driving that coach. 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 And welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. And welcome to our first broadcast of the new year 2020. Welcome. Happy New <laughs> Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry folks, we're lighting cigars right now as we're talking to you. And uh, we're just being those assholes. You're damn right we are. Also, uh, because yeah. our, our New Year's resolution is yes. to be the same assholes this year we were last year. Yeah, apparently that's working. So. I, I mean, well, just based on you know, <laughs> listenership alone. That's right. Speaking of which, we want to thank our viewers that we have. And uh, apparently we have some uh, international visitors that uh, like to listen to our particular podcast. So we want to say thanks to our fans over in uh, Quebec, Canada, yep. and uh, Ireland, I believe Australia, and uh, another foreign land, Michigan. <laughs> a lot, actually. <laughs> a lot in Michigan. So all you Michigan Wolverines out there and all you good people out there in the, in the Motor City and whatnot, thank y'all for listening to us, man. We and, really appreciate it. And to be it. fair, we like the Spartans as well. So, you know, we're, we're equal opportunity offenders, just as long as you're not playing. Uh, you're, you're Auburn, right? You're Tigers fan? Yeah, so like we were saying, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for your viewership, and uh, we really appreciate it. We really do. Uh, but like I said, we're in a new year now, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, 2020. Pro- We're in a new decade. Yeah, we are, actually. I'm it's re- the Roaring Twenties. It's, don't, don't do that shit. You know, <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of those fucking memes today, and, like, I tell people all the time, the 20s were not a great time for black folk. So, like, no, uh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not with the Roaring Twenties get down. So, uh, just, I'm just saying, that's just me. <laughs> so, I don't refer to it as the Roaring Twenties. Plus, didn't the fucking Great Depression happen in the 20s? Nah, it's the 30s. Oh, never mind. We're close then. Yeah, I mean, we got Boom. 10 years left till it goes to shit, apparently. Yeah, we've, all, yeah we've, we've already had another depression as it was anyway. So. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, maybe maybe it's maybe it's kicked off. Maybe this is when we're going to go into World War III, right? Go mm-hmm. after, uh, was it Iran, I think, who we're fucking with this yep. weekend? Then yep. we'll be cruising. Have a wonderful post-apocalyptic future that, you know, that filmmakers in America that have been envisioning for, you know, decades now. Mad Max looks like fun. <laughs> with the mohawk and asses chaps and shit. I, I mean, it looks a lot looks like a lot more fun than no country. Sh- no, what was it? Uh, Children of Men looks like a lot more yeah, fun than that. Yeah, and what was that shit? Uh, Butters did on Star Park. Oh, just, just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> just walk away, and I will spare your lives. Just walk away. Butters is one of the best characters they've come up with on that show. Yeah, fucking hilarious, man. But uh, let's go ahead and pop into this thing. So uh, first off, we're going to do one of our favorite segments here, uh, Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy. Uh, It's a little little game we play here where we uh, basically can name any major American film star and connect them within seven movies to the great Eddie Murphy as a variation of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. But I think uh, this one is a lot cooler and plus the fact I can do this a lot easier. So, uh, AJ, uh, do you have a couple for me uh, this week? Yeah, let's go Let's go old because we were having a conversation off air before we started about the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think... Have we done Humphrey Bogart before? No, we have not. Let's do Humphrey Bogart. Okay. Humphrey Bogart was in the Af- yeah okay yeah this is right okay Humphrey Bogart was in the African Queen with uh, Catherine Hepburn uh, Catherine Hepburn was in uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier Sidney Poitier was in Let's Do It Again with Bill Cosby Bill Cosby was in 
California suite with uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was in Hollow Nights with Eddie Murphy. Like you, you, you have having a contestant. Yeah, I think I think we did do this on episode one, which hopefully nobody's listened to because the audio quality was so shitty. I because yeah. I remember doing it through the African Queen. Now that you say it, that's how we got the connection. Because I remember going before in my brain, like, how mm-hmm. the hell would he do that? So that's got. So you know what? We'll go with somebody who's not quite that old, but okay. still uh, an old one. Okay. Let's do Clint Eastwood. <laughs> that's a good. One. Ah, Clint. Clint has been to so much. Shit. I know. It should be. It should uh, be easy. It should be easy, but still. <laughs> o- only thing easier uh, I could come up with maybe is Bruce Willis. No, no, no. I, I, no, that would, that would be super. Because easy. I'm just talking about total volume of work. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, want, I want to get a really good Clint one here. Huh? Ah, got it. Uh, Clint Eastwood was in in the uh, in the line of fire with Rene Russo. Rene Russo was in Showtime with Eddie Murphy. Shit. That was super quick. That was way too easy. It's all because you can't you can't abide another man anymore. And I, and I was just thinking about like John Malkovich the other day too, because he's he's the bad guy in that movie, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's killer. John Malkovich. Okay, so we got Clint, we got Humphrey. One more. Let's, let's do one more. You can go for a trifecta? Let's go for a trifecta. You don't want me to ruin it? Come up with something that's just too obscure? Do it, just do it. Bobcat. Goldthwait? Yeah. Not that obscure. Actually, not that obscure. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait was in... What's that movie? Ah! Yeah. He was in Scrooged with Bill Murray. Bill Murray was in <laughs> Ghostbusters with Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you know, I'm actually disappointed you didn't get to him through Whoopi Goldberg. I was thinking that route, but I was like, you know what? This is easier. <laughs> you, saw, you saw Burglar, right? Yeah, I know. I'm about okay. to say Burglar, yeah. But <laughs> this is easier. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. in comedic history mm-hmm. is when he's in there yelling at the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> like, you think you're my idea mm-hmm. of some dream come true? Taking yeah. shit from a dildo with you? <laughs> oh, my God. My favorite thing from him was oh in, is in Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, when he was, uh, we called uh, Old War Jerk. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, Harris. Jerk. What? He said thank you. No, no, I said jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty clear. Jerk. <laughs> Dude, have you heard his stand up? Yeah. Now he's back doing stand up again. No, I, I I used to watch his old HBO stuff. Well, dude, he's he's come back around. Oh wow. Dude, I actually heard him. It's probably about maybe a year and a half, two years old now. Mm-hmm. But on uh, was it Joe Rogan? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, dude! And then I went and looked at because he was hilarious. Like he was explaining, like you know, he had that whole problem. He lit the couch on fire on the Tonight Show and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was explaining his thinking and how that obviously didn't work out to his advantage. They ended up mm-hmm. charging him with arson and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But now that he's you know he's kind of grown past that. He's a dad. He's got I think his kids in high school or graduated from high school already. Mm-hmm. He's doing a, a Bobcat version of dad comedy that's freaking uh, hilarious. Uh, like it's worth a listen. <laughs> My shit is uh, also from Police Academy, the second one where he said, uh, what's your mom's, because uh, Mahoney went on the cover with his, mm. in, in his gang, he was there, the, the gang leader, and he's like, uh, hey, what's your, what's your mother's name? Uh, uh, my, my mom's name is Jughead. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Jughead, my, my mom's name is Jughead. I'm sorry to hear that. Why? It's a good American name! <laughs> <laughs> So fucking weird. And then, uh, Dude, everything and with him's weird. And the grocery shit, like what he did, wrecking the shit or whatever, and he's like asking for coupons. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. We have a lot, of, lot of really nice bargains here. He's got he's got one of the most unique mm-hmm. and frankly hilarious voices ever. It's like him and Gilbert Godfrey. 
Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey. I, I can I can listen more to Bobcat than I can Gilbert Godfrey. I'm like, God damn. See, but for me, mm-hmm. Gilbert Godfrey's always gonna have a place in my heart because he was the voice of Iago on Aladdin. You right? schmoes. <laughs> well, like when we were little yeah. kids and everything, like yeah. I I remember like I used to have like this uh Iago puppet thing that my parents got me, and I used mm-hmm. to do like his whole little monologue thing when he's yelling at Jafar. It's like, look at me, look at me, I'm so ticked off that yeah. I'm molting. Yeah, I, yeah, I tried to do that voice. I tried to do that voice even though yeah. I was like six and my voice wasn't, you know, yeah. deeper than maybe an alto at that point. Yeah. My favorite thing that he's ever done is and I've mentioned this before, Superman the animated series, he was the voice of their version of Mr. Mix's Piddly. And that's, that's such an interesting. An, and he's such an annoying. That was such an annoying character as it was to have Gilbert Godfrey's voice with it. I'm like, oh my god, he's serious. Do you know, you know, because all he did was come and fuck with Superman. That's all he was there to do. <laughs> and he's like all powerful, but the only thing that really gets him off is fucking with Superman. You, you know what? Actually, I think his best performance ever was when he was the interpreter for Marley Matlin. At, whose whose roast was that? I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. I can't remember which roast that was. That yeah. that was freaking hilarious. And the shit farce of the penguins when he's freezing. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. freezing my nuts off. <laughs> he was pretty good as the voice of the Affleck duck. Affleck, yeah, no. <laughs> until he until his comedic I'm not, timing I'm, got I'm, a little off I'm on a, his Twitter. I'm gonna stop trying to do the Gilbert Godfrey voice because he actually hurt my throat. No, it really does. Like <laughs> I, I stopped doing that shit like 15 years ago, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I quit in high school. All right. <laughs> 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 Sounds <laughs> like we're talking about smoking, but it's really just doing Gilbert Godfrey impressions. All right, now we knocked out a trifecta. We got Humphrey Bogart, we got Clint Eastwood, and we got Bobcat Goldflight for Seven Degrees, Eddie Murphy. Now let's go ahead and go into another segment of our show here. WWBS, what would Busey say? Mm. Now, this is the new year, so do you have a good idea of what Busey would say about it? Or? Well, uh, you know, we could be topical, or we could just see where it takes us. Because i got to be honest, when you did this, uh, the, the one about Aston Martins that rolled into pizza last time, that was, uh, it was quite entertaining for me. Thank you very much. I would really like to know what he hates, though, and that's, that's yeah. just seeming to take, take a hell of a long time to get to. You know what? I think I can find something. Do, you, you can find something? I can, I can find do, something. Do you want to do your own prompt yeah, this yeah, week? Yeah, okay, okay, so let's go say... I mean, I've, I've got okay, options, but... No, no, we're going to say okay. what, what Busey would say about Twitter trends. Twitter trends? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm ready for that. Goddamn Twitter trends. Every six months is some bullshit. Actually, it's even sooner than that. Every two weeks, there's always some new bullshit on Twitter that everybody's got to do. Some new challenge. The last one I really enjoyed was the with the the Mimo. The one was like this. There's like this doll that's giving death threats to children. I appreciated that. But you know, I really couldn't stand fucking all the different stupid challenges like the planking challenge. Remember that one? You fucking. St- you get on some wood and just stay there like a piece of wood. It's fucking stupid. Make no fucking sense to me. You know what I also hated? The goddamn ice bucket challenge. That was so fucking stupid. I know it's for a good cause. ALS is wonderful and all the good shit. However, I don't really get the whole thing about pouring a bucket of ice on yourself for the entertainment of millions of people. I pour buckets of ice on myself on a very, on a, basically on a daily basis, but that's for a whole nother reason. Okay, that's just me. That's kind of how I get myself off. You know, after that, I usually have a good cigar. I love, I love that stuff. 
Also, another trend I hated. Why is there a goddamn holiday for things that don't deserve having holidays? It's National Siblings Day. It's National Boyfriend Day. It's National Fucking Pets Day. Who gives a fucking shit? Okay, let's stick to the regular holidays. You know, you know a holiday that I love that nobody respects? Fucking Arbor Day. You know, you know fucking Arbor Day? When's the last time you celebrated fucking Arbor Day? Okay, or or you know back in you know back in the nineties, back when people were actually conscious, you know Earth Day. You know they have that bullshit now where they try to get everything to be green and all whatever, but everything's all half hard and shit. I used to watch Nickelodeon all the time when they did Earth Day, and you would go out plant a fucking tree. Nobody does that anymore. You go out and plant a fucking tree, save this goddamn Earth. That's the way I feel about that shit. Tiger blood. <laughs> How's that? Apparently, it's Twitter <laughs> trends. I, I gotta, I gotta admit, I'm not a big fan myself. Exactly. So well, maybe that's because we've never been a trend, and he's only been a, <laughs> he's only been a trend in a joking way. <laughs> yeah, true. The one thing I will say about your Busey is he, he tends to be a lot more um, coherent. <laughs> In the actual music. In the actual. I, I have the hardest, like, every time I actually, and, and like, a fan, obviously. We wouldn't spend as much time if we didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But every time I hear him give any kind of an interview or whatever, I, I, it, it comes across to me mm-hmm. like he's constantly on an acid trip. Like, I don't know if you've ever talked to anyone who's, like, tripping balls on acid or something, but yeah. whenever you have a conversation with somebody who's gone. Yeah, we know one, Bill. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But see, but, but Bill, most of the time, it's a flashback. It's not a current trip. Like I, I've known guys, you know, living in Los Angeles and everything out here. Holy shit, dude! Like, yeah. I mean, that hippie shit gets so far out there. <laughs> Nothing against hippies. I'm just saying, it just you lose me at a certain point. I can't track anymore. Well, goddamn, bro. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of where he lives. Uh-huh. But the tiger blood, I mean, it's almost it's almost like, you know, what is it? I would say it's it's like maybe 50% um, Charlie Sheen from time to time, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Tiger blood. I appreciate it. The tiger blood. Tiger blood. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're probably rolling to dropping that news. Yeah. Dropping that news. We're going to find a prompt for that Send us money. We'll make this better. Yeah, for real. I know how to increase production value. We're just broke as fuck. Yeah, yes, we are. So, fucking. But as far as movie news going right now, Dick's news. You heard about the the actress who killed her mother, right? Yeah, she was yesterday. In, she was in uh, com- was it Civil Civil War. No, no, she was in the original Captain America. Oh, the original before. Captain America. And it was, it was like I saw the headline. It's like they say Captain America actress killed somebody. Like she was an extra. She, she, I, like I there's, think, there's, I think she might have gotten no gay she, rate. No, she was no, she was because <laughs> she was like a Stark assistant or something, right? Was yeah, that like what no, they build her as? No, no, they, yeah, she. There was a part in like the beginning of the movie where he they're at the Stark Expo and there's a bunch of girls on stage with him, like as he's doing some has Howard Stark is displaying some new invention. She's one of those girls. That's it. She has no lines. So fucking like when they say Captain America, I just was like whatever. But yeah, she did uh, unfortunately kill her own mother. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you know another sad. Uh, note for for starting out the uh, the new decade here, um, the son of one of the creators of Orange Is the New Black uh, unfortunately died in a skiing accident. Uh, it was either yesterday or the day before out in uh, Park City, Utah. Yes. 
So a little a little bit of a rough start for a few people. And actually, one thing that I saw. Uh, There's an understatement. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> uh, Jack Sheldon, uh, singer most famous for his work on uh, Schoolhouse Rock. I'm mm. just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. That guy. Passed oh yeah, away. on Capitol Hill. Yeah. And I'm sitting here. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that dude's voice. Dude, I love I think, Schoolhouse I think, Rock. I think he was also the. Uh, remember they had the 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 light bulb. It was, it was, oh, I forgot the fact name. No, it was a character. It was like a lightning bug who was like uh, some kind of advocate for conserving energy. But, uh, or was it like a DWP thing or something? I don't know. But like when he would show like these, they would have like these uh, commercials where he's like a lightning bug. Is that voice like, hey, <laughs> take the light bulbs out. You know, like you put it in the socket, put a light bulb in there. That kind of thing. Yeah, he would, yeah I, I'll look it up, but he's like a a bug or some shit like that. And he's mm-hmm. like, maybe it's a Southern thing, I'm not sure, but like that that voice was like, he was the lightning bug guy. He's always going to be... Bill. Yeah, exactly. Bill. Schoolhouse Rocks. And like, and you know what? It's worth a binge watch. I will, but today... What was I it? Uh, I can't remember. Was it uh, was it Family Guy that did yeah. the spoof on that? Yeah, well, he was like, well, Peter was like uh, cleaning up shit and then he cleaned up Bill. Yeah. He stabbed Bill. <laughs> well, no, but there was another thing where they were like, they, I, I think it was... Pretty sure, it was either that or it was Simpsons, but I'm pretty sure it was Family Guy mm-hmm. where they had a whole thing where they talked about the way bills get made in Congress and like all the bullshit stuff behind the scenes everybody's always doing. That would probably be more Simpsons. Maybe it was Simpsons. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was hilarious because they go and they have a, a complete different, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, what do you call it, uh, satire of the whole thing. So Yeah, but that, I love that guy's voice. Man. He was, and, and he like was said, a great And talent. like you just said, Schoolhouse Rock, for those of you who don't know, is actually a great. Thing, great series. Fucking, great series to fucking just binge watch. I had a few favorites on there. My favorite one is still to this day is uh, Figure Eight. Yeah. That shit is <laughs> so good. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I learned my damn math in that song. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Figure Eight is two times four. <laughs> good lord. Two times four. I will say this. With everything that's being uploaded to YouTube and all all the different new streaming platforms, my kids will be watching that. Yeah. When I have kids. Fuck yeah. Hey, plus it's education. That's what I'm saying, man. Education. It was it was it was infotainment. <laughs> lolly, 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 get your adverbs here. <laughs> <laughs> that was my shit. It was the other one. Uh, conjunction, junction. What's, what's your, your function? function? <laughs> There's an some shit. You know, it's it's crazy. I can just about sing the whole song. Mm-hmm. I still, like, I'm horrible if you want me to sit. Like, I could never teach an English class. Me either. Like, I, I was talking about And we're writers. About That's the, the fucked up part about it. We're writers, but we can't, yeah. I, I can't oh, dude, it's, you want to know what's funny? So my wife, English was her second language. She learned that when she moved here when she's four. Yeah. She's an English teacher. Uh, I couldn't teach to save my life. She's, a, she's and fixing I'm, I'm, my I'm, shit. I'm literally born. <laughs> That's <laughs> literally what I'm saying. Born, yeah. born and raised here. First language. I don't. I just the words look right on paper. That tells you a lot about Americans. I, I do. Uh, <laughs> I do the Oxford comma. I know that. That's yeah. an argument that I can have. That's about it. <laughs> like uh, there's actually uh, you know Kevin Nash, the wrestler. Like when the statements like that happen, he has a great statement about that. He's like yeah. freaking like, man, I'm doing the best I can here, man. I'm just you know I'm the guy putting doing the sky on the puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's who Dude, I am. I saw the most hellish puzzle the other day. Mm-hmm. It was all like the whole thing. Just black. There was no no color, no nothing, anything. It was just a gigantic, it was like a 2,000-piece puzzle. The whole thing was one color. So you're just like, well, fuck my life. For real, this is, this is a joke, I right? guess we're going to start on the edges. This, this is a joke, right? <laughs> this, that, it's, it's honestly masochistic. Oh, my God. 
yeah. <laughs> There's no way to know what you're doing. Yeah. As far as like entertainment news right now, there's really not that much going on to be honest with you folks. Like uh I think I well, think it's just it just right now. Rubs. Just around the corner. That's right. It's, I think it's like Nick's it's actually, yeah, I believe it's this weekend. It's coming Sunday, right? Yep. Beyond okay. Sunday. All right, so we got some nominees out there. There's like quite a few of them. I actually posted a lot on the uh, Belsaverse page. If you go to uh, Facebook and look up Belsaverse, I have a whole list of the Golden Globe nominees in terms of the different categories. So you want to go check that out. Yep. Go to Belsaverse on Facebook. And I think this is a good time to plug our sponsors since we go ahead and talk about it. So uh, first sponsor would be Belsaverse, uh, the Belsaverse page on uh, Facebook, and also Belsaverse group on Facebook. And there's also the Belsaverse page on Instagram. We also, like I said, uh, Belsaverse.com is uh, in the process. Of, uh, we have the domain and all that stuff. We just need to get the site together. And also, if you want to get some of that sweet Belsaverse merch, go to Teespring.com and go to the Belsaverse page. Get yourself some merch. We have some sellers during the holiday season. I'm very happy about that. Go on there and get yourself some merch, people. You'll enjoy it. It's a great conversation starter. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, it helps support the show. And we also have another sponsor. We'll go ahead and talk about that. Do you like hookers? Do you like rugby? Yeah. (laughs) Do you like the U.S.? Well, go to ushooker.com for all of your USA rugby apparel needs. Also, you know, it's a good place to learn about about the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you've only got about four weeks left, five weeks left. Mm-hmm. Football's over. Yep. But guess what starts in two weeks? Rugby. Major League Rugby, USA. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a total blast. Watch these guys beat the living shit out of each other while they're trying to get from one end of the field to the other. Mm-hmm. Probably the single best invention the Englishmen have ever come up with mm-hmm. since a bunch of them decided to start America. Nice. But well, when you started there, like, it actually reminded me of this old thing with Animaniacs. <laughs> like, uh, you ever seen, you ever seen the, the one I'm talking about? Uh, it's like two ladies in the mall bugging the Warner kids, like, would you like to take a survey? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do you like beans? You like George Went? Would you like to go see a movie with George Went eating beans? Would you like to, would you like to eat beans while watching George Went in a movie? Like, would you sit with George Wynn while eating movies? Like, they just kept saying beans, George Wynn, the movie. <laughs> That's what it reminded me, because you were like, you like hookers? You like rugby? You like hookers while watching rugby? <laughs> you like eating beans while watching rugby? <laughs> you like eating beans while watching rugby with, with hookers <laughs> in the U.S.? <laughs> That's what it and then just me. so everyone actually understands, for all of you non-rugby watchers out there, hookers are actually a position in the sport. One of the fun things about rugby, because it was mm-hmm. created by the Englishman, yeah. they've got some really weird ways of talking about some shit, some really funny-sounding names, and uh, we just decided to have some fun with them. We put together uh, this, this thing to promote rugby to, uh, to <laughs> Americans. But honestly, it's like going from boxing to MMA. Yeah. You're gonna be you're gonna find yourself watching football and go, shit, I wish these guys would do, you know, a scrum or that they'd keep cruising and you wouldn't have all this stoppage and everything. It's a killer yeah. sport. Yes, sir. It's pretty dope. All right. So Well, now, we should roll back into news since we jumped out. All right, uh, Watch uh, Golden Globes this weekend. All your favorite yeah, celebrities yeah, are gonna get yeah. shit faced. Yeah. <laughs> that, should be that should be interesting, yeah. Well that's what it always is. I mean, in fact, mm-hmm. before it was televised, uh, one of one of my teachers he used to go every year mm-hmm. way back in the day and he said that he preferred it before they televised it because yeah. it was the best part of the year. Everyone mm-hmm. would get shit faced drunk. Mm-hmm. The speeches were hilarious because it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Now everybody's got you know be mindful of the way they look and blah blah blah. Yeah. There's gonna be some drunk people there though. Guaranteed. Uh, I will say of the uh, the big you know like best picture nods that are going in right now, my favorite and you know what I'm saying I've seen the other ones. <laughs> I'm basically saying they're my favorite because it's the only one I've seen. Uh, would be uh, 1917 by Sam Mendes. I still haven't seen that. It is so I good. Watch it. it is so good, and it's like the way it's shot. It's just like one really long, one really fucked up day. 
set in World War One and based on a true story. Like I really suggest it. It's really really good. And well, like, and from what I understand, yeah. he they were able to hide the shots, so they have a ton mm-hmm. of continuous shots. So it feels like one one re- continuous really shot. long day. Right, so there's not there's not really any sense of a break or any kind of a you know establishing shot to take you out of the moment. But there are but there are moments where it's like yeah that's a cut, <laughs> like yeah that's a cut. But that's that's the, that's to the season now. But like in yeah. terms of how they do it, it's very very cleverly hidden. So I would definitely suggest that one. And then a couple of other nominees I know for they do one for like comedy. My favorite right now would be Dolomite is my name. Yeah, but here's the problem with yeah. with the Hollywood Foreign Press when it comes to comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're thinking half the time. Because you remember, uh, what was it, um, The Martian won Best Comedy one year. Oh, yeah, the show the fuck did. Yeah, and I was like going... That's not a funny movie. Did, is this like a Lost in Translation thing? Yeah, it's not Like, a it was movie. never meant to be a comedy. At least I don't think so. I mean, yeah. just I mean Donald Glover was in it, but... Yeah, but he like he did some things. I, I feel like it. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a pretty decent little sci-fi. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a comedy. It wasn't a comedy. At all. So, I don't know. I, I didn't get that. Was it a musical? No, it wasn't a musical. <laughs> I either. mean, I don't know, I don't know how they're getting where they're going sometimes. But, but that, like I said, Dolomite is my name is my favorite. And also, my uh, my favorite in terms of winning the award for Best Actor for Comedy would be Eddie Murphy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. With, uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, there are like, a couple of nominees, but that's the one that I remember off the top of my head. So, uh, like I said, go check out the Golden Globes when you get a chance, folks. And uh, or or at least check in to see who won, and then you know yeah. make your own determination. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's that's, that's really, pretty much all yeah, that's happening right now for the news. Yeah, we'll get more news when more news actually comes up. There's really well, nothing prob- going the on. The problem right is now. right now, mm-hmm. as we sit here, mm-hmm. January second, mm-hmm. uh, all the people who are going to be making news and entertainment are still on vacation. They're going to start arriving back in town tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. It's pilot season, folks. Next week we're going to get into some fun. Yeah, fucking young actors like myself, getting our fucking headshots ready, getting mm-hmm. our reels ready. It's pilot season. We got to get out there and get ourselves seen. I got my agency now. I got my headshots in going. Got my different looks going. Somebody going to pick me, goddammit. Mm-hmm. And all us vendors are out there. We're getting all the trucks ready. We're making sure the gates and everything are working. We're picking up straps, fernie pads, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Getting the art department ready to rock and roll. Exactly. So like right now, you're getting a very unique uh, look in terms of Hollywood from two guys working just two different spectrums of it. We're working our way up. Damn right we are. <laughs> But now we're gonna go I ahead. Hope it's up. <laughs> Stop. We better not have peaked. <laughs> damn right, we're not gonna peak. Are you fucking kidding me? But uh, as far as peak so hard. Now we're gonna go ahead and get into our actual show. And this is actually a first for us. This is the first time where we actually sit down and focus on one particular subject matter that is not a watch along. That's true. And the one we are discussing this week, and we actually discussed it briefly last week, TV spinoffs. Mm. Now, for those of you not familiar with the concept of a TV spinoff, say you have a popular show that's been doing well for years, and on that show you have maybe a supporting character or a supporting storyline that is really catching on with fans, and so much so that fans would love to see maybe that character or that storyline as its own show. So the producers of a lot of TV shows tend to say, hey, maybe we could do something else with this character or maybe with this storyline, spin it off into its own thing and make some more money on another show. And that would be the uh, basic, pr- basic uh, basis of a spinoff. Pro- probably the most famous one I can think of off the top of my head that majority of, at least our listeners would probably know, Family Guy, mm-hmm. spinoff into Cleveland. 
Right. And then, and then like, uh, technically speaking, they connected them in the crossover with American Dad. Yeah. So they're all connected now. But, I mean, if you're going to go that direction because they're all Fox properties, I mean, they're they also, connected to The Simpsons. They also, so. the said they also did a spinoff with so. The Simpsons. And then the, spin, the Simpsons did a spinoff with The Critic. Yeah. So like, they're all, and Futurama. So they're Which all Critic, connected. that was pretty freaking funny. That was I, used a love, <laughs> I used to love The Critic, man. That was a great show. So definitely ahead of its time. Speaking of critics, slight little uh, rabbit trail here. Mm. Do you see Lemony? Was it Lemony Snicket? Wasn't that the character that Martin Short used to do? Well, you talking about Jimmy Jiminy Glick? Jiminy Glick. Sorry, yeah. I mixed up. You think you thinking of the Jim Carrey Lemony Snicket? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, the series of unfortunate, unfortunate events. events. Yeah, yeah. No, Jimmy Glick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I, I used to love the Jimmy. I, I watched them every once in a while. It's still on yeah. Netflix now. I watched it the other day. Yeah, dude, it's freaking hilarious. I like the old school ones, the prime primetime glick yeah. when he had his own show on, on yeah, Comedy yeah. Central. We like Billy Crystal and <laughs> Killer Steve Martin and Julie Louis Dreyfus and uh, Janine Garofalo is, a, is actually a favorite one of mine because it's the most I've ever seen her laugh. I mean, honestly, it's a forerunner of uh, Between Two Ferns. Different. It really is because I mean the only difference is is that he he's still trying to play it like he's a critic yeah. where Zach Galifianakis is just obviously being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm surprised mm-hmm. he survived that one where he uh, he went toe to toe with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. She looked like she was gonna kill him a couple of times. One I really liked was when Damon Wayans was on there. He kept naming him every Wayans but Damon Wayans. <laughs> <laughs> so you're Keenan Lowry. You're Marlon Wayans, right? <laughs> like, no, I'm Damon Wayans. So Damon Keenan Wayans. <laughs> like, he just kept doing. Shit like that. No, Damon Ivory Wayans. Well, the the, uh, the Charlize Theron one, mm-hmm. when he tells her he hopes his dog, her, her hopes her dog dies, mm-hmm. and then she starts laughing, saying, I, "I." The first time I saw it, dude, I nearly cried. I was laughing so hard. Yeah, it, it, he's freaking hilarious. He's got killer timing. And I love one. I love. Uh, actually, he did a recent comedians and cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld talking about Jiminy Glick. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Seinfeld is the first Glick. Really? Seinfeld is the very first one. That's cool. And man. he's done multiple ones, but at the very first Seinfeld one is the very first Jiminy Glick. Huh. And also, but he says his favorite joke that he ever did was uh, with the Mel Brooks one. And he looks at Mel Brooks and says, "So what's your big gripe with the Jews? Uh, what's your big <laughs> what's, your, what's your big gripe with the Nazis?" <laughs> Dude, mm-hmm. I, I told you uh, I was listening to that other uh, that other podcast. The what's his name? Um, Ah, shit, I can't remember his name. He's the guy that does the, the voiceover. He, well, he used to do Dirty Jobs. He did the voiceover for Dangerous Catch. Uh, or Deadliest Catch, I mean. But anyway, yeah. he's got a podcast, and he was telling this story, apparently about Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks was in the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah. I mean, and he actually climbed up some tower to put up a, a mm-hmm. big speaker, and then he purposely put on a famous song by a, a Jewish uh, musician at the mm-hmm. time just mm-hmm. to fuck with the Nazis. <laughs> like, he was doing all that kind of shit. And the fact that that dude survived all of that and came Jesus. back to create some of the best comedy ever. I mean... I love Mel Brooks, man. He is, he is honestly... He's a comedic god. Yeah. There's no other way to put it than that. He's a brilliant writer and yeah. just fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this is another story about another guy doing a podcast, uh, Rob Paulson, who's like a prolific... Mm. <coughs> excuse me. Prolific voice actor out here in Hollywood. He's done like... He's, you know, he's done Animaniacs and Tiny Toons and yeah, God yeah, knows yeah. so many cartoons. And apparently when he was just a young struggling actor out here, he auditioned for a Mel Brooks movie and he was being like kind of witty but not like overtly funny and Mel Brooks actually stopped him in the middle of his audition. He's like, look kid, wit is shit, funny is money. And That's a great line. Yeah. And went on and went on to this, uh, do his own thing. But yeah, that was one uh, Mel Brooks story I do like. Now, as far as actual TV shows go, there have been God knows how many spinoffs of popular TV shows. The real question, though, is how many survived? 
Exactly. But what we're going to do, we have actually compiled a little list of certain ones that are more popular than most. Some survived, some didn't. Actually, a lot of them are in the same group together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They have some, that one show that have spawned some successful shows, some that were not successful. But we're going to go through that list. Now, the first one off the bat would be the legendary CBS television show, All in the Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, in itself, is actually a ripoff of a British show. <laughs> Till death, till death do us part. No, I actually, Whoa. I've actually, no, no, I've actually watched, <laughs> and I've actually watched an episode of Till Death Do Us Part. Same set, same thing. Like freaking like to, to yeah, paraphrase yeah. Uh, um, Quentin Tarantino. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. They stole the shit out of it. it <laughs> it's basically, Till Death Do Us Part, but Americanized. But that's the you know the All in Family, of course, the uh, legendary CBS show uh, created by Norman Lear. Uh, starring Carol O'Connor, you know Maureen Stapleton, uh, Rod Reiner, uh, Sally Struthers, yeah. <laughs> and, Sally. Yeah, this, and it basically tells the story of the Bunker family, mainly the the husband Archie, who is this uber, this old school uber conservative, semi racist, uh, ain't no semi racist, he pretty racist guy, and uh, his uh, yeah, his uh, his uh, simple minded wife. And his uh, opinionated, uh, po- politically opinionated uh, son-in-law Mike, and his uh, little girl Gloria, <laughs> and their different adventures. And like I said, uh, All in the Family was you know ga- groundbreaking television. The first couple years it was on the air, it was like the number one show on television. Well, and I mean, I don't, do you do you how much do you know about the origin of the show in terms of like what the producers said they were trying to do? Other than the director of Park Lane, that's really about it. So, what I understand their original intent was because this is right in the middle of probably one of the first and bigger, you know, at least national culture wars that was seen in the media. Mm-hmm. The idea was they wanted to create a character that was going to be, for lack of a better term, you know, abhorrent or or force people to confront the uh, the the real like negative or evil parts of the way they think or do or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's whole the whole idea behind Archie Bunker. Yeah, it actually backfired on them majorly because he ended up becoming the most popular character, and the reason is because as the writing developed and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, transformed and and everything took shape. I mean, this happens in every movie, every uh, long run TV show. I mean, you see mm-hmm. in The Office between season one and three, right? Yes, yes. Everybody finds their niche and the writers get their voice and adjust. People actually, even though he, uh, let's say to be generous, he's passively racist, like he just mm-hmm. is going with his, his prior prior uh, yeah, conceived he, notions and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he, he goes with the stereotype of a person as he opposed with, to the person, yeah. Well, but I mean, a lot of it goes back to, you know, really want to boil down and get down, it's like the availability heuristic. This is the shit he's heard, he's heard his whole life, so that's yeah. what he is. Yeah. But what people admired and liked about him, what the audience liked about him was twofold. One, he told it the way it was, at least in his mind, mm-hmm. and he was unapologetic. He didn't ever let anybody push him off of what he believed or, mm-hmm. or mess with him. And he also, even though, like we were saying, we want to say it's passively racist, he was never like out there in a you know sheet burning crosses and doing all kinds. And of And then crazy actually, shit. there were there were episodes where there were people that did do that, and he was against it. Exactly, and so that's what I was saying. That's what people liked about because I mean, like you know, all of us being. America the way that it is, right? Mm-hmm. You look at the, the whole totality. 
I'm sure you've got relatives that have said some shit that you go, what the fuck are you saying? I know I've got some where I've been like, what the fuck are you saying? You saying?" You know what I mean? And it's just, (laughs) it is what it is when it comes Mm -hmm. down to, you know, the the reality is, Mm -hmm. because America's a melting pot. Like, we're the only country that truly doesn't have a nationality, right? It's just like, you you can put 25 people in a room, none of them look Mm -hmm. even remotely like, they could all be Americans. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard Dangle Tosh once said, the Chinese Olympic team. Would you have guessed 100% Chinese? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. because we have that aspect, so that's what fed into it mm-hmm. and actually made him so popular. Mm-hmm. And what I'd say is kind of funny, too, when you think about with Rob Reiner, yeah. you could almost argue, based on his la- later career, and I'm not talking necessarily yeah. about in the arts, but just his personal or public life, yeah. was he really even playing a character? Because that's just like, yeah, all of him. that like uber like left-leaning, like yeah. kind of liberal politic thing, like that's just him. Like, that is basically he was. Him. It was almost a documentary with him yeah. dealing with, I'm guessing, yeah. his relatives. Yes. And then actually, uh, I think it was the first show ever where all four leads won the Emmy yep. for different categories. Uh, like I said, it's groundbreaking television because of the fact they use so many racial epithets and they deal with uh, different subject matter that was uh, initially taboo on television. Racism, sexism. Uh, they had one uh, drag queen episode they had uh, was another one the most famous episode really of most people uh, of that would ever see the show would be the Sammy Davis Jr. one yeah you know, when Sammy Davis Jr. like uh, our chief uh, drives Sammy Davis Jr. in his cab uh, Sam Davis, I think, leaves his wallet in Archie's cab and then comes to Archie's house and gets it. And then, of course, Archie being Archie, you know, saying a bunch of passively racist shit to Sammy Davis Jr., who knows, you can see Sammy knows what kind of dude he's dealing with. He's just fucking with him the entire yeah. time. And it's so fucking funny. And then, of course, the ending is really with the kicker of the show because he's, like, been talking about this thing about he's kind of okay with black folks but not really okay with black folks but he likes Sammy he's like, Davis but he's he like always him. kind of inco- uncomfortable yeah, yeah. but he loves Sammy Davis Jr. and then like you know what why don't we get a picture so at the very end of the show he's like oh, it's cheese Sammy Davis turns to him kisses him on the cheek <laughs> so he has that picture forever of a black man kissing, kissing him, him. <laughs> Yeah. It's your, that's your one picture with Sammy Davis Jr. Well, and see, and that's the that's the <laughs> real legacy of of that show mm-hmm. over everything else. At a time that was probably at least as polarized, if not maybe even more so than we're tending to get now. If you want to, you know, talk about totality, what's happening in culture today? Mm-hmm. This was a place that was, for the most part, pretty safe. Mm-hmm to prod and poke and to have a bit of a conversation and that ultimately you know even though you know people can talk shit or whatever about mm-hmm. the way that you end up with you know the lesson that you have to learn at the end of the episode mm-hmm. it really was that and ultimately I think in the broader sense it ended up being a net positive mm-hmm. it didn't get us all the way there fuck we're not even close to all the way there yeah. but it was a progressive thing to push things forward yeah. so that there's there's better you know kind of relationship people understanding mm-hmm. each other I think the first toilet flush on television was on uh, All in the Family and also like I said the drag queen episode and it has such a horrible ending cause like mm. uh, Archie is dealing with this drag queen character or whatever like all the other people in the whole neighborhood are like against him Archie actually comes to like the person for the person who he is. And then as yeah. he's leaving, uh, they kill that character in a car bomb in front of Archie's house. And the whole family's out there just like, and then Archie's just appalled, like, oh my God, he didn't deserve that. You know, he, he, right, well, yeah. and, and again, that's that was like the magic of Archie, because you, know, yeah. you talk about the passive races, r- racism, and like, you know, all of the, basically what it comes down to is he had a lot of really fucked up, preconceived stereotypes and notions in his brain. Yeah. But one of the things people like about Archie, mm-hmm. even watching it today, he somehow usually finds a way or he's maybe even pushed to have mm-hmm. to confront the stereotype ideology of what he's got. Mm-hmm. And then he ultimately always judges the person he's dealing with on an individual basis. 
mm-hmm. who is this? So like, even if he's got some racist thing going on where he's thinking, you know, like black people are stealing shit or something like yeah, that. Bullshit, yeah. Ultimately, at the end, he gets to a point where he's like, well, this person right here, he might be black, but he's not that, you know, and, and it doesn't get him all the way, mm-hmm. but it at least starts to open his mind and, and his life and ultimately the audience's mind to the facts like, and maybe you have some fucked up stuff in your head. Mm-hmm. It's not right. Yeah. And that's that's the true legacy of that show, aside yeah. from the spinoff, mm-hmm. which is one of my f- favorite spinoffs. Actually, it's, it's several spinoffs, but we're going to go actually. But you know the one I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but the spinoffs themselves, like I said, are all in the family, as popular a show as it was, became spinoff central. Oh, yeah. Like the very first spinoff I think of. More than any, yeah. anything, right? Well, it's close. I'm, there's another one that's close, okay. though. I'll okay. get to that. Uh, but uh, the first one that popped off of uh, All in the Family, Maud. <laughs> Maude debuted in September 1972 and actually featured Edith's cousin, Maude Finley, played by the late B. Arthur. <laughs> that was the first spinoff of all the time. I'm sorry, every, every time anybody mentions that show, yeah. I immediately go to Family Guy. Oh, when they did the opening? <laughs> when they did the opening song. From Donny Hathaway. Oh Donny Hathaway God. is the one that did the original opening. But yeah, it's such a long opening because it's like this long. <laughs> the opening of Maude is this long establishing shot. He's doing all these things. They did a good dive. It was a freedom rider. And all this other crazy shit. And then you get to a house. And then there's Maude. <laughs> but what's great if you haven't seen it, yeah. YouTube that shit. Yeah. Peter's sitting there and the song just keeps going and going and he keeps going. And then there's Mod. And then there's a bunch more shit. And then there's Mod. No, no, wait. But the, the whole gist of the song is that uh, Donnie Hathaway is naming all these famous women with all these uh, different accomplishments. Susan B. Anthony, you know, <laughs> shit like that. And he just keeps going. No, he keep going and, it, and Peter's just going, and then there's Mod. Come on, man. <laughs> and then finally gets to it. And then there's Mod. <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> but Mod, Mod family actually first debuted on an episode of All in the Family called Cousin Maude's Visit where she actually came and took care of the entire family when they were sick with the flu. And of course, the whole get down of the episode is she is like as, as super conservative as Archie is, she is super liberal and just as much of a blowhard as he is. And that's why they can't stand each other. And because of the fact you got these war with these two uh, you know, different differing ideologies. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And you know, it, it, make, it makes for really good television. And like, it was so good television they actually brought her back a year later in another episode called Just Maud, and that acted as a backdoor pilot for her own TV show. And that was in 1972. Now, what it was is Archie and Edith uh, go to their house, go to Maud's house in uh, Westchester County, and uh, they attend like a wedding party for their uh, for Maud's daughter Carol. Okay. And uh, the whole time, Archie's being Archie and all that shit. And then, of course, Maude is, you know, having arguments with her husband and her family. So, like I said, it just served as a little backdoor pilot of what a Maude TV show could be. And it was so popular, it actually became a TV show. Maude ran for six years, uh, from 1972 to 1978. Gotta get that syndication. And like I said, uh, Maude became, like I said, the uh, pretty much the opposite of Archie, but just as much of a blowhard, just in another direction. You know what I'm saying? And that's another one, uh, another uh, controversial show, also uh, produced by Norman Lear, because that was one of the first shows to feature domestic abuse. Yep. There was an episode where her husband actually, you know, punches Maude. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the whole well, the whole episode is like her denying that, that that happened, and the husband just like trying to figure out what happened. Why did Why did he do that? Nothing. So. Well, but I mean, technically, if you want to roll it back a little bit to mm-hmm. honeymooners, well, but, pow, right in the kisser. Yeah, but he, this is the one that actually showed. <laughs> I know, I know, this is show domestic violence. So, and also another uh, first for television. Maude's character is the first character on television to ever have an abortion. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was an, there was an episode where she got pregnant and her and she's like in her mid she's a middle aged woman. She didn't want to have a child as a middle aged woman, so she decided to get an abortion. That was a very controversial episode, especially that time. Yes, it was. And like I said, the husband on the show was uh, the late Bill Macy. He recently just passed away within the last year. And also, Carol was played by Adrian Barbeau. <laughs> and this is when the time where Adrian Barbeau was, you know, super hot. And she was a 70s sex symbol. And she rarely wore bras. And she has really nice breasts. So, like, she was, she was, she made it, <laughs> she made it must see TV. <laughs> Yeah, so... Uh, Detail-oriented. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a fan of Adrian Barber. <laughs> but yeah, ran for six ran for six seasons for 141 episodes, the, with the last episode airing in April 1978. Now, one thing uh, that Maude has over most of the other spinoffs, it is the first one of these shows to have a spinoff of a spinoff. The spinoff for Maude, Good Times. Because... Mm-hmm. Uh, the the spinoff of Maude basically focused on Florida Evans, who was Maude Finley's maid. Oh, and right. She, yeah, and yeah. she started out as uh, Maude's maid, and she was like the sassy black maid on the I TV show. Forget, I always forget how that she connection happened. She was Maude's maid. That's right. She was Maude's maid. Now, uh, both her and James Evans both first appeared on Maude. Cause like there was one episode where Florida has somewhere to go and James came to go and get her, but like they were having like marital issues and Mar being Mar was trying to like you know intercept yeah intercept get, in, get, in, get herself get, involved get, getting in, get involved in their business like no who are you like who are you <laughs> yeah and then the thing about it is they changed a lot of the uh, the story of the Evans family before they actually got their own show because Maude is based in Westchester New York, uh, Good Times is based in a housing project in Chicago. And also, it's, it's better though. And also, uh, on the show, James's name was Henry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, it changed. Yeah, and they changed it to you know James for the TV show, and then it became its own thing with uh, JJ and you know Walona and you know <laughs> Bookman <laughs> and all the other people on there. And that in itself became its own successful show, which ran from 1974 to 1979, and then of course the famous, you know, Janet Jackson getting burnt with the iron shit. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah, Janet Jackson was a character on there named Penny, who was an abused child. Well, and I mean, but, look, anybody who's a fan of, of television today, right, if you're going to talk about something like Breaking Bad or Sopranos or anything like that, mm-hmm. you have to give it up to shows like this mm-hmm. because they're the ones who really blaze the trail to allow you to get into some of this heavier content. Yeah, they were first, man. Because I mean, you, you, I mean, basically, television prior to All in the Family was, mm-hmm. for the most part, pretty damn close to I Love Lucy on whatever it was you yeah. were watching. And nothing yeah. against I Love Lucy, mm-hmm. well, maybe, but we won't get into that right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's it opened every door for everybody. And then, like the one, some of the more famous episodes of Good Times, uh, one in particular was when they actually killed off. James Evans mm-hmm. uh, and keep in mind James Evans was a positive black uh, father which is uh, very rare on television at that time but the thing about it is sure, they, man it's still pretty rare today yeah they depicted James as you know being no nonsense if, they, if the kids got in trouble he was right there he whooped their ass if they needed to he was quick to pull out a belt on, on the fucking kids and shit which a lot of people didn't, of course white folks didn't really uh, appreciate but they finally Wait, killed out really yeah shut up no I mean <laughs> seriously because no, no, my, people, no, my, people my, my family we grew up in more yeah, than don't yeah. step out of line people didn't appreciate them on TV for some reason but yeah but they killed off truth. I think the behind the scenes was like they were uh, John Amos was like not happy with uh, they how they portrayed JJ because JJ was basically a walking stereotype 
And, yeah, uh, a little and, bit. And the producers wouldn't budge on that, so they got rid of James. And the storyline wise, Jordan, James was actually supposed to be going to like Alaska to some like pipeline to get him some extra money. Mm-hmm. And eventually, when he got enough money, he would move the whole family up there with him. But as they were having this big party celebrating the fact that James was supposed to be coming up there to get them, they get a letter from the pipeline saying that James died in an accident. Mm. The next episode is uh, basically Florida going through the different stages of grief. Now, they have the funeral. Florida has not expressed any sort of grief at all mm. in the whole thing. And it's really worrying the family. She's being brushed with the family. You know, uh, was a brusco, whatever. She's really being brush with the family. And, like, everybody's trying to figure out, like, what's going on? What's going on? And... Finally, towards the end of the episode, she's all alone. She's in the house cleaning. Like you know, they had this big party or whatever. What a little funeral thing. She's cleaning up the uh, front. She cleaned up the dishes. She has this b- giant punch bowl, and just all of a sudden, nowhere. She just slams it down and, and says the famous says the famous line, "Damn, damn, damn." And yeah, I, but now, again, for for yeah. television. Yeah. It's still just absolutely again because you you have to look at everything in the context of when it came out, right? Yes. It is one of the most heavy, dramatic moments oh in broadcast television oh to that point in time, and yeah. and it is it's it's visceral. It really is. I mean, you can feel because I mean that's the thing. Like, and that's what I appreciate about that episode is that yeah. everybody expresses grief grief differently. Yeah. And it's perfect for her character too that she's trying to basically hold the whole family together. She, yeah. The whole weight of everything is now 100% on her. But now that, you know, she had that little moment to herself alone, and she, she just... finally expressed. And she just let it out. It, yep. was, it was heartbreaking. Yep. So heartbreaking. But good great t- television. I mean, definitely yeah. watch it. Oh if you've God. never one, seen it, watch it now. Good Times is such a great show, man. Like, <laughs> definitely check out Good Times. That's definitely one of the spinoffs that did not fail. Yeah, for okay. sure. Oh, my God. Like, syndication-wise, oh, my God, it's one of the more popular TV shows ever. Yep. But, like, ever since I was a little kid, Good Times has been on somewhere, everywhere. It still is. Yeah, exactly. And then they just had the recent thing, the special on ABC with yeah. All in the Family and Good Times. And they brought that back. And they brought back most of the original cast is still alive. You know what I'm saying? So. Yep. It's crazy, man. Like it's, it's good. It's great, great TV show. Now the next spinoff is the, probably the one you're talking about. Yeah, uh, the Jeffersons. <laughs> moving on up, moving on up to the east side. We finally got a piece of the pie. Feet off the hand kitchen. <laughs> I know I'm going to the ship. We can, we can do, we can do this all that. I love oh yeah, but actually, is great. But the Jeffersons were the second and the longest running spinoff of all the spinoffs from All in the Family. They actually ran for 11 years. Should have gone for 20 uh, and two and ran for 11 years and 253 episodes. It actually surpassed All in the Family itself because All in the Family ran for nine seasons and 208 yeah. episodes. And actually, in terms of years run, it's still the longest running black sitcom of all time. But in terms of episodes broadcast, the longest running uh, black sitcom of all time is actually Tyler Perry's House of Pain. Yeah, but Tyler Perry is just like, he's that, a production machine. That was a production machine. So uh, they, he still is, man. I they, mean, the number of movies and, oh, I, I don't even, they I, would come I honestly out, yeah. don't know. Like, he's yeah. honestly, the yeah. rate he's going, yeah. I'm scared to death he's going to end up like Jim Henson. And his, his body's just going to shut down. Like, he's not going to have anything. Well, Jim yeah. had other problems. But yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. that amount of work, those 18-hour mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. oh, my God. The guy, I I'm yeah. always in awe when I, whenever yeah. we talk about yeah. the amount of production that guy can get yeah. out. But the Jefferson family itself first appeared on All in the Family. The first of the mm-hmm. Jeffersons to actually get uh, 
most like airtime was actually the son Lionel, played by uh, Mike Evans, and uh, he was a lovable character. He was uh, Mike's best. He was uh, Mike Stevens' best friend, so they would come over and hang out and shit. And he was constantly fuck with Archie, so, <laughs> which made him even more popular because yeah. like yeah, you know, he would like feed into Archie's bullshit, like fuck yeah, yeah, I love him. <laughs> and just make him look, but feed into him, be nice to him, but make him look stupid at the same time. Yeah. And it made Mike a, it made uh, Lionel a very likable character. And then after that, you actually met his parents. Particularly his mother, Louise Jefferson, played by Isabel Sanford, the late Isabel Sanford. Mm-hmm. And she became friends with Edith. Yep. And then, of course, there was uh, actually, uh, funny enough, George Jefferson is actually the last of the Jeffersons to appear on the show. Because of the fact that at the time, uh, Norman Lear actually created the character of George Jefferson specifically for Sherman Hemsley. But Sherman Hemsley was on Broadway at the time on a production of the, sh- of the show uh, Pearly. Mm. Uh, so uh, he had he had a commitment with that already. So in the interim, between uh, the end of uh, Sherman's contract on Broadway, they created another character, Henry Jefferson, who was played by an actor, I believe his name was uh, Mel something, Mel Turner or something like that. But he was kind of like the stand-in uh, for George Jefferson. He basically played George's brother. And he would come in and he would be the antagonist to Archie. You know what I'm saying? Like a uh, uber conservative, but from the black perspective. You know right. what I'm saying? So pretty much the same as Archie, just but from a black perspective. And uh, he, him and Henry would get into it every once in a while. And then finally, when George was free, I mean, so when Sherman was free, George Jefferson was uh, introduced. Uh, basically, they were introduced at a, uh, in an episode, I believe, where it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, Lionel's wedding. Or his engagement to a to a Jenny Willis. <laughs> that was a backdoor pilot done on All in the Family, and uh, that's when they first introduced George Jefferson. Which, from a production or producing standpoint, mm-hmm. is it's brilliant because you basically you're able to subsidize the cost of your your soft pilot mm-hmm. by rolling it into an existing product. So mm-hmm. if it turns out that what you're hoping, as far as market response, ends up being shit, yeah. It didn't cost you anything. And you know what? It's just one more out of 200 whatever episodes for yep. this kick-ass franchise. It's just printing money. Yep. So it's, it's a really smart way to go. It, it, enables, it enables you to really make sure. That's the other thing, too. Mm-hmm. You're really giving it a chance because yeah. if you've got All in the Family, primetime television, mm-hmm. you guarantee the audience you want to see it is yeah. going to be watching it. Because a lot of these pilots, and this is all before the FinCEN rules. I'm not going to get down the weeds in that because that will mm-hmm. take for fucking ever. Yeah. But prior to that, you might just get you know a shitty executive or... Mm-hmm luck of the draw, you end up with the shit time slot and they're trying to put you on, you know, at like 10 a.m. on a Thursday and none of the people you want to watch it are even available to watch it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to lose out to the people's court or whatever the hell was on back then. I don't remember. uh, So, but what happened was uh, they had that, they had that little, uh, little storyline. It was successful. Of course, Archie was invited and Archie was being Archie because of the fact that uh, Lana was married, marrying a girl who was half black, half white. Mm-hmm. So they, they would have both, actually, both George and Archie were <laughs> kind of together on this lady. They did not want that marriage <laughs> to go down. Uh, but then after that, it became successful enough where they actually got their own show. The first episode of The Jeffersons, again, was on All in the Family, and it was actually them moving out. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Edith, and actually, the sweetest mm-hmm. moment of the episode was between Edith and Louise Jefferson. And uh, Edith was just like, you know, getting her getting her stuff together. You got everything, you know. Being yeah. Edith, but then she stops. She's like, "Do you know how much I love? Uh, do you have I ever told you how much I love you?" <laughs> and Louis says, "Every single moment we sing together." Mm-hmm. And then they have a sweet moment in their hug. 
And then, of course, Je- George being George, he has somewhat of a tender moment. He's like, look, I finally got us out of here. We're leaving now. We're, we're like, I did this for you, for our family. Let's get out of here. Like, yeah. uh, we're leaving Bunkersville. That's what they always call it, bunk- <laughs> Bunkersville. And then they move out. And the first, yeah, the first episode of Jefferson's on All in the Family, and then they're in the, in the high-rise apartment, mm-hmm. they got Mr. Bentley, and they got, you know, that, and then the uh, first episode was them uh, hiring uh, Florence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, they have the interviews and all this stuff. And then, uh, the, of course, the ending of that episode was the kicker of it. Like, so wait a minute. You li- y'all live in this apartment? Yeah. Yeah, white folks working for y'all? Yeah. Well, when did we over like? Did we overcome and nobody told me? <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the kick of the last episode. And then, of course, the Jeffersons went on to be a very successful sitcom on itself. Mm-hmm. And the Jeffersons is another one that had a spinoff of a spinoff mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't know. Uh, it was a spinoff called Checking In, and it was basically focused on their maid, Florence, played by Marla Gibbs. Now, what what it was is that Marla uh, had left the Jeffersons, and now she was Florence was working at a place called the Saint uh, Frederick Hotel in Manhattan as the executive housekeeper. It only it only lasted four weeks. Yeah. It, it lasted all of 1981, and then the character went back to the Jeffersons for the rest of the run, which ended in 1985. Which, I mean, it's great for mm-hmm. you know to, to look at as far as a performer that at least you still had a home to go back to because most pilots when they when you don't make it when mm-hmm. you're you know, I'm fortunate enough to end up on the uh, the cutting room floor, as they say. Yeah. You're out there going, well, shit, now I need another job, and you're out applying. There's another example on another popular show, which we're going to get into a little bit later. Now, the next um, spinoff is not really a spinoff. It's actually a continuation of All in the Family. Uh, in 1979, they decided to change up All in the Family. So what happened was, storyline-wise... Uh, Archie Bunker would always hang out at this one little tavern or whatever. So yeah. Archie eventually got enough money where he bought it. And then he became the like the proprietor of that particular establishment and it became Archie Bunker's place. Now what happened was towards the end of the show, Edith passed away. Yeah. And then it had a very sweet moment where uh Carol O'Connor's Archie is alone in you know, in his room with uh Edith's bed and he's just like Talking about, you know, I, I mistreated you. You know, you were so good to me, and I miss you so much, and I'm, I'm always going to love you. And then he actually adopted this little girl named Stephanie. Now, now Gloria has moved out. Mike, yeah, Mike and Gloria have moved out. Edith's dead. Now all he has is his friends and this little girl now. So that's basically that was basically became the focus of the show. It became Archie Bunker's place. And it lasted for another four seasons. Yeah. From 1979 to 1983, and that was, the last episode was in April 1983. So they extended another four years out of you know yeah. all in the family. Well, and, and it makes sense that it would be him too because he was by far, as we talked about before, the most popular character. Yeah, and then after that, Gloria. Although technically, hold on. Although yeah. technically, yeah, 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 you can yeah. make an argument that the mm-hmm. Jeffersons were the most popular characters because mm-hmm. they had. I mean. Mm-hmm. They had the longest run out there. Of and they surpassed the original show. That's what I'm saying. So technically, I guess maybe I should make an adjustment, say, mm-hmm. of the primary cast, he was the most popular. Yes. Okay. Now, I'm going to what I was about to say for you. <laughs> Before I threw off your... Yeah. The next <laughs> spinoff, the third spinoff, was Gloria, uh, which focused on uh, Gloria Punker, Stivic, or whatever. Actually, she, at this point, was actually divorced. They had a storyline where Mike left her, Mm-hmm. And decided to go to like a, join a nudist colony. So I, I could see him doing that. I could see him doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was she uh, became this assistant uh, trainee for a couple of veterinarians in 
Fox Ridge, New Jerk in New York. And that was her new life with her and her son. And, and I was a divorcee. Again, that only lasted a season. Which, uh, you know, the one thing we're kind of glossing over, because mm-hmm. the one thing you, you've got you've to give to everything that broke out and came out of All in the Family was it was always extremely cutting edge from a cultural standpoint. If, yeah. I'm, if, my, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first time you had a show where the, the, the leading actor or actress in this case was a divorcee. Guess what? That's what uh, uh, well... You've had single mothers in the past, but they were true, always true, true. they were always widows. Yeah, true. This was one of the yeah. this was one of if not the first uh, well, show. She was a divorcee. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Which I mean, that's crazy. That's cool. Because what, what year was that? Like eighty one, eighty two to eighty three. See, and that's crazy. I mean, that you're it was took that long. True. I'll give you that. Because the people have been divorcing each other since before this country was around. Exactly. So I mean, shit. King of England, you know, had a really <laughs> gross way of divorcing them. Usually, yeah, usually involved the uh, beheading. But yeah, the guillotine. Yeah. Yeah, this shit's been going on since <laughs> beginning of time. Now, the last spinoff of All in the Family is actually the more interesting one. It's called uh, 704 Hauser, and this was in 1994. I don't know this one. Exactly. So... This was basically done by the guys, you know, um, Norman Lear and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they took the idea of a black family moving into Archie Bunker's house. Okay. Now, what happened was they decided to switch the narrative of all the family with this new show. So it basically now be a black family um, with a conservative husband. And now they have a daughter who has, no, they have a son who has a Jewish daughter, who has a Jewish uh, girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, white Jewish girlfriend. Huh. And actually, funny enough, Gloria and uh, her son, Gloria and her son Joey actually make an appearance on the show in the first episode. Hmm. So it connects it to all in the family. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, and it only, it only lasted five episodes, and they, air between, they only air between April and May of 1994. And, and if my, and again, we're not going to get into the weeds on it, but if my, uh, if my math or time uh, line is correct, that's... Mm-hmm. Post the repeal of the Fin-Sin rules, which I believe is in like eighty two, eighty three, might have even been a little bit later in the eighties. So that probably had something to do with it. Probably. But anyway, that's that's the economics of it. Yeah, but those are all the spinoffs of All the Family. Another show that had an extensive amount of spinoffs, Happy Days. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> and it and it's Happy Days in itself is actually a spinoff of one episode of Love American Style. Where it featured and it featured the Cunningham family. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. It's Love American Style. It's one episode. It was a uh, Archie. You know, it was Richie Cunningham and his family, Ron Howard, and it had the Fonz on it. And it's just one episode, but it was so popular they just went out to its own show. Now, one thing we're going to throw in here, just real quick, before we get into the to the spinoffs, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's appropriate. Yeah, there's a term that gets thrown around a lot. And I don't know if everybody knows where it comes from, but jumping the shark. We'll get to that. And, and yeah. I just want to make sure we cover that because this is mm-hmm. a really great moment as mm-hmm. far as helping people understand some of the jargon and terminology because no. everybody's always scared shitless when you're running a show mm-hmm. of jumping the shark. Yeah. Okay, now what he's referring to in terms of jumping the shark, my happy days in this time was one of the more popular shows on television. I mean, it was it was right up there with All in the Family. Yes, it was. I mean, yes, it, was it was top, top yeah. tier. And they had all these characters in Richie Cunningham, the Cunningham family, you know, Joni and uh, the, the most... Joni loves Chachi. Which we'll get into that. <laughs> and the most popular character was Henry Winkler as Arthur Fonzarelli, the Fonz. Hey. And he was the coolest character on television ever, pretty much. And the what he's referring to... That is, leather jacket was badass. Yeah, leather, leather jacket is in the Smithsonian. It should be. That's how badass it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one episode he's referring to is one episode where Fonzie, uh, doing this crazy stunt, decides to jump a shark tank. 
on his motorcycle. On his motorcycle, and it succeeds. Did he succeed? Did he actually, I think. You know, I honestly don't remember. So the the whole point to why yeah. jumping the shark is a thing, yeah. it essentially refers to a point in time where a show has outlived its relevance in culture. When because it gets, yeah, when it, it gets to the point where they jump in sharks on motorcycles, they're doing, yeah. they're doing outrageous stuff to try to maintain viewership. And that was actually the jumping the shark was. To many one, people, it was the beginning of the end. Well, and I mean, if I remember correctly, and don't quote me on it 100%, but I think that was one of their their lesser uh, viewed episodes. Mm-hmm. And that was when they realized, like, oh, shit, okay, we took it too far. Because there's always, whenever you do a show, mm-hmm. there's always a contract with the audience that you've set boundaries, whatever they are. Like, mm-hmm. like I've talked about before when it comes to movies or whatever with me, the suspension of disbelief or whatever. Yeah. We could do, I mean, it's not one of my favorite shows I don't totally get it, but like Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. they've got a weird set of fucking rules, yeah. but they stayed inside of them, and the people who love that show, yeah. they love it to the end, and mm-hmm. it's just kick-ass, and it's good to go, mm-hmm. but you end up with something like a, a network show like The Office, I'll go with, because I love mm-hmm. like the first four or five seasons of The Office, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to the end, now all of a sudden we have the camera crews making appearances, and we're explaining what the fuck was actually going on. You've gone too far, mm-hmm. and the audience has decided, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, like I said, Happy Days was an immensely popular show, and of course, it had very memorable characters. The first yes. spinoff of Happy Days was Laverne and Shirley, <laughs> uh, with uh, Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams as the aforementioned, uh, aforementioned uh, Laverne and Shirley. They started out as friends of the Fonz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they appeared on Happy Days, and they would have, find themselves in adventures with you know the Fonz. And Lenny and Squiggy and the Cunningham family. Which is great for Henry, Win- Henry Winkler because yeah. now he had two shows. And they all moved. They all lived in the same city. So, and then of course the beginning of her uh, Laverne show, they doing the, like the little Yiddish little saying like yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlomil, Shlomazel, Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make our dreams come true, doing it our way. <laughs> that's actually one of the things that's great about uh, about TV shows from the the seventies into the eighties. They had great theme songs. They had great, ridiculous theme songs that honestly it, it puts you into. I mean, obviously, if you watch it now, mm-hmm. puts you into a, a time and place. Like you watch House of Cards, right? The opening of House of Cards. It's dark. It's brooding. Yeah. You can't sing along with that. I mean, there's no yeah. words, right? Yeah. Dude, you go to these classic sitcoms. We're gonna make our <laughs> dreams come true. Dude, it's the best. We're doing our way, make all our dreams come true. Just me the, and the you. The best, the yeah. absolute best of a multicam. Yes. To this era. Yeah. Uh, Laverne and Shirley was the first one, and of course they went on to have their own adventures. Eventually they actually moved to LA in the show's later years. Yeah. And Laverne and Shirley lasts from 1976 to 1983. And they had a lot of crossovers with Happy Days, of course. One particular episode was a shotgun wedding, which actually, which actually, the first <laughs> that was part, a good one. The first part was actually on Happy Days. The second part was on Laverne and Shirley. So, which again, from mm-hmm. a, a producerial standpoint, it's brilliant because mm-hmm. they always set cliffhangers. You got to come back and watch the same show. But if you own both shows, let's make sure we got them watching both yeah. shows. Okay, and then the next spinoff of Happy Days is one that a lot of people don't know about: Blonsky's Beauties. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the don't know category. Yeah, it starred uh, Nancy Walker as a former uh, showgirl named Nancy Blonsky. Apparently, she appeared on Happy Days as a cousin of Howard Cunningham. Hmm. So she's a Cunningham, and uh, co- apparently, uh, Chachi and yeah, Chachi uh, Scott Bayo actually starred on uh, Blonsky's Beauties before he was on Happy Days, and also they actually uh, 
had uh, Pat Morita do Arnold on Blonsky's Beauties. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's a really weird show. But uh, what's a showgirl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know what a showgirl is. But, I don't know. I am shocked. But it, it's like the shortest of the spinoffs. It only lasted one season uh, in 1977. Now, this next spinoff is actually my personal favorite Mork and Mindy. Oh, yeah. Mork and fucking Mindy. I used to love Mork. It's the one. <laughs> it's, I watched like a little bit of all the spinoffs, but this is the one I actually watched all the way through. I watched all the episodes of Mork and Mindy. I loved Mork and Mindy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was so great, man. I know what I know. <laughs> Well, I mean, how can you not love someone with Robin Williams? Robin fucking Williams. Now, uh, Robin, as Mork from Ork, made his <laughs> first appearance on uh, Happy Days. And actually, the name of the episode was My Favorite Orkin, like as a play on My Favorite Martian. Yeah. And the whole get down was he's on the show. Uh, Mork is, has come down to Earth to study humans and take one human back with him for examination. The human he picks is Richie Cunningham. Now, yeah, what why happened, wouldn't you? Now, as a result, it, uh, it, it leads to my favorite episode of uh, Happy Days where they have a swag off between the Fonz and Mort for Mort. Because, like, you know, the, how the Fonz would, like, you know, just hit, like, a jukebox and it would turn on. Yeah. Or he'd hit some, like, he like, uh, some shit would be moving. He'd do some shit and make it stop. Yeah. So it's him and Orkin. Orkin's using, like, telekinetic powers and shit, and the Fonz is just using the Fonz shit. <laughs> and they're having the swag off, and it's so fucking dope. And the Fonz ends up beating Mort. And what well, happens? I mean, is, he has to. He's the Fonz. Yeah. And what happens is, you know, like freaking uh, Mork eventually goes away. But on the show, they explained it away as a dream uh, that Richie was having. But the performance was so goddamn popular that they decided to freaking bring back Mork, and they decided to bring it from 1950s to modern day, uh, 19, then modern day 1970s, Boulder, Colorado. So or so Mork is back on from Ork. He had the fucking uh, egg spaceship, <laughs> yeah, and he, <laughs> a giant egg or whatever. And he uh, meets uh, <laughs> Mindy, <laughs> and Mindy, yeah, Mindy McConnell. That's her name, played by uh, Pam Dauber. Yeah, and she was basically the straight woman to Robin Williams' fucking antics, man, for like a number of years, bro, from nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty two, bro. And they did all kinds of stuff. And I remember the the story of the casting of Robin Williams is more. Apparently, he went into Gary Marshall's office uh, for this role, and he told he told him that you're playing an alien. And he Gary told him um, Robin to sit down, and he went over to the chair and sat on it with his head. <laughs> and he said, as soon as he saw that, I was like. You're hired. That's you're, yeah. you're hired. You're hired. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? You know what? I picked him because he was the only alien that actually showed up. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And you know what? He, yeah. he was. Yes, he was. He was absolutely an yes, alien. Yes, he talent. was. Exactly. So, uh, but what? Uh, but what happened was because they decided to bring the character back. The whole dream thing that Richie had, they got rid of that and they tacked on a new ending and explained that Mork came back and shit. So, but yeah, Mork stayed on Earth and, you know, he had his little adventures with Mindy and they would have like little alien adventures and shit. Yeah. And it was a really great show. And of course, it's Robin Williams. I mean, how can you not? It's Robin Williams doing his thing, man. And then, like, he would, like, just go on his flights of fancy, which I like to say, flights yep. of fancy. And, but he would always bring it back to the script. But other than that, he would just go fucking nuts. There was a, there was a, I don't know, I don't know how real this was, if this was a setup, but there was what was reported or purported to have been, um, basically uncut footage of him working with, I can't remember the director's name, on mm-hmm. a commercial, mm-hmm. and he just kept improv. It's, it's like a six or seven minute, might even be longer, seven minute long video on YouTube yeah. of him just fully Robin Williams. I mean, there's no other way to describe it than that. My favorite episode of Mork and Minnie actually is uh, there's one episode where he actually meets Robin Williams. 
Oh, eh? Mark meets Robin Williams. And it's really cool because Robin, like, Robin has himself is really downplayed. Yeah. But Mark is like real Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, real Robin's like, hello, nice to meet you. And real downplayed. It's really cool. And also another really great storyline they had was uh Mark had a baby and he actually laid an egg and the egg grew to like human size and the baby turned out to be Jonathan Winters. <laughs> I must have missed that. Episode. It was because it's like Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters just riffing for like like two episodes straight. Man, like it's, it's so cool. Bro. Did, did you ever see um, uh, the Birdcage? Yeah, dude that that scene when he's he's directing mm-hmm. that uh, the, the scene downstairs with um, oh god why am I blanking on his name Nathan Lane with Nathan Lane and the uh, like the young hunk. No, I forgot his name. I don't, I don't know the young hunk's name, but I don't think yeah. he's done anything except for that. But yeah. um, nothing where his name was on the marquee anyway. Right. But when he's explained, okay, so you do a Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Oh, yeah, or do Twyla, Twyla, mm-hmm. Twyla. Mm-hmm. You do an exotic celebration of a dance, but you keep it all inside. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just over the top, ridiculous, Robin, and Robin such Lee. a great physical comedian. Yes, he was. It's basically... When I think about physical comedians mm-hmm. of the last like, 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. it's basically him and Jim Carrey. True. Because there's a ton of great comedians out there, mm-hmm. but there's very few that, um, use the that are physical. Yeah, I mean, most of them... I mean, that's one of the reasons why that movie, 10,000 Words, I just hated the concept from the word go. Yeah. Eddie Murphy is a great oh, oh, a thousand verbal words. comedian. A thousand words. And like, you know, like he's like the tree. Yeah, he can't. he's only allowed to say a certain number of words. And it's like, no, this is a Jim Carrey movie. Jim yeah. Carrey's a guy who's going to be over the top with his body. Let Eddie Murphy talk. The dude is hilarious. Yeah. But anyway, that's, sorry for the aside. I just yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking about them. All right, now the last actual spinoff of uh, Happy Days <laughs> is the one we love the most, <laughs> but not for the reason you would think. Joni loves Chachi, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it specifically because of Ben Stiller. <laughs> it's all Ben. Joni loves Chachi. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for those who don't know the reference, it's mm-hmm. from Dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. But the actual show itself is actually uh, takes two characters from Happy Days: uh, Richie Cunningham's sister Joni and uh, the Fonz's cousin Chachi. And they put them together in a romantic relationship, and they are they leave uh, Happy Days Land to go to Chicago to try to make it as musicians. Now, keep in mind, they completely forgot what era and time frame they were actually in while they were doing the show. Yeah, because like uh, the show is supposed to be set in the 1950s, but they're singing like they have 70s style clothes, they have 70s style hair, and they're singing like soft rock ballads that would be like Christopher Cross or Kenny Loggins. You don't think people in the 50s would have liked Cher? <laughs> I'm pretty or sure. Sonny Bono? No, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they wouldn't have. But freaking, they were singing that kind of stuff. They completely forgot what time frame they were in. And freaking, uh, what happened was they uh, they canceled the show because of low ratings. But what they did was they kept sporadically putting it in like to weird time frames, so it never really caught on because they kept like switching it around the schedule. Well, it's because they, they had a lack of um, they had a lack of clarity on that. And and but that's what we were talking about before. You know, the fence in rules, all that kind of shit going mm-hmm. on. There's so much that's out of your control on the economics. Mm-hmm. You can't even find your audience sometimes. Yeah, it only lasted one season, 1982 to 1983. Because that's the, that's the real positive thing about mm-hmm. streaming now, right? Yeah. Somebody tells you, hey, I like this show, you like that show. Mm-hmm. You go home, you just watch it. Yeah. And then one thing that actually uh, is uh, unique of Happy Days, they actually had three cartoon spinoffs. Okay, I did not know about the cartoon spinoffs. They had cartoon spinoffs. The Fonz and Happy Days gang. <laughs> Laferne and Shirley in the Army, 
<laughs> and Mork and Mindy the cartoon. And funny thing about it is all three cartoons had all the original actors. You know what? Mork and Mindy the cartoon makes sense. Yeah, Out of everything, that makes the and most he, sense. And he actually had like, a, he had a, he had like an alien dog. It's pretty much the same show, but he had an alien dog. Well, yeah, you can do more when you're dealing with animation. And then actually what it is is they uh, switched it to make them a little bit younger, so they're college students together. Okay. Yeah, so. But, uh, yeah, the same thing. They would have like one lump show where it's like the Fonz, the Vernon Sherrill, the Mork and Mindy show. They did they, 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 like the Mork <laughs> and Mindy. They did like one big hour of television together as cartoons. And like I said, all the original same actors, Henry Winkler, Robin Williams, you know, Penny Marshall, all those people. They did the cartoon. <laughs> and they actually had two uh, pilots that didn't take off. The Ralph and Potsy show and the Pinky Tuscadero show. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't take off for some that, reason. That didn't take off? Yeah, apparently I'm, not. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Now, another spinoff we're going to go over here, uh, go to is actually one we've mentioned on the show a few times now. Uh, Family Matters mm. being a spinoff of Perfect Strangers, which ran from 1986 to 1993 on ABC. It was the first show on the famous TGIF lineup. Mm-hmm. It was Perfect Strangers. Now, it was the lead in to all the other shows that came after it. Now, Harriet Winslow first appeared on Perfect Strangers as the elevator operator of the building they were in, the Chicago Chronicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, Carl, her husband, showed up a couple uh, seasons later. In the fourth, in, I think in the fourth season, is an episode called Crime Busters. Uh, Carl showed up, and uh, apparently, uh, how he described the dialogue was that uh, Harriet and Carl lived in the same building, apartment building, as Balky and Larry. Hmm. Yeah, which is weird. But then eventually, they got their own place or whatever. Now, well, what year was this? Uh, this is like late eighties. Because I, I mean, again, maybe there was something going on mm-hmm. uh, prior to us getting here to this planet. Yeah. Elevator operator. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she. They, back in the day, they would have a person. I have uh, only yeah. one time seen yeah, an elevator, elevator. operator, yeah. and that is only when it's absolutely batshit crazy over yeah. at Hollywood and Highland when they're loading in the Oscars. Yeah, and they literally have that person there just to make sure that people can get off because mm-hmm. he's literally paid to stand. That person, him or her, because it's mm-hmm. been both when I've been there, mm-hmm. literally paid there to keep the door open so you can unload all of your gear. Yeah. <laughs> but so, short of that, like I don't under like who the hell has an elevator operator? Back in the day, you they push were com- a button. Back in the day, they were commonplace. They oh, had uh, actually had an elevator operator. Doorman makes sense. People still have doormen. Yeah, but still, like she was the elevator <laughs> operator on All the right, show for the eighties, and then eventually she became such a popular character that she spent off to her own show, Family Matters. Her and Carl. Now, there's a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people don't realize the spinoff is actually based around Harriet initially, but. When the first season of the show, it was okay at best. Uh, didn't really do anything. But with the appearance of a <laughs> uh, annoying, accident-prone, uh, budding inventor next-door neighbor named Steve Urkel, played by Jaleel White, <laughs> who was introduced midway through the first season, that show blew up because of that one goddamn character. And then the, the focus switched from the family, which is Harriet and Carl, to Steve Urkel. And it worked. Did he do that? He did that. <laughs> now, there was never an actual official uh, crossover between um, uh, Perfect Strangers and uh, Family Matters, even though Balky and Larry were actually scripted to pre- premiere in the first episode, but they never did. Huh. And funny enough... You know, I think it's better it didn't. Yeah. And then funny enough, the dude that played Larry, in the, and uh, Larry also had a girlfriend on the show uh, played by an actress named Melanie Wilson. They both appeared on Family Matters as different characters. Really? And I do remember the girlfriend specifically playing the talk show host because one they were like there's like a like a local talk show talk show in Chicago where all the family appeared 
on the on the show. It was like it was like um, Eddie, Laura, Steve, Myra, and all the little the, the love triangle that's going on. And it's like but all the different like Steve Urkel characters. It was Steve as Steve himself, Steve as Stefan, Steve as Myrtle Urkel. Like they're all <laughs> on the same show. It's so weird. <laughs> it's like Jerry Springer style, but it was so it was so funny. I forgot the other character that Larry played, but he uh, and another thing they also took a lot of the first. Some of the first season episodes of Phantom Matters were actually recycled episodes of a family of uh, Perfect Strangers. Yeah. They just recycled it with a family. Well, if you own it, you own it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's a simple rewrite. But yeah, like I said, uh, Steve Rickle came on that show and it went to a whole nother direction and it became a very successful show. It's actually the second longest running black sitcom after the Jeffersons. Yep. Yeah. So it's still great to this day. Look, even yeah. even though we want to that's another poke, one. Of, even yeah. though you want to poke fun, yeah, and have a little fun with the whole Steve Urkel thing and yeah. his ridiculous laugh that he came up with and all of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But I did. I do that and all of that. Dude, it's it's great. My first crush on television. Steve Urkel. No, fuck you. <laughs> no, my first crush on television was Myra. Myra 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 Butros Butros Monkhouse played by the late Michelle Thomas. She Butros, was Butros Gale. That was that was her yeah, that was her <laughs> Myra Butros Butros Monkhouse. But uh, I had such a huge crush on Myra because number one, she's pretty and so sweet, and she had really big titties. And <laughs> that's kind of my thing. That's kind of my thing, folks. In case you're not noticing the trend here, but like she was so beautiful and so pretty. And actually, no judgment. She, and actually, funny enough, she was actually dating Malcolm Jamal Warner at the time of her death. Really? Yeah, and they, they actually had a long relationship. She actually, for her first major, one of her first major roles was actually on the Cosby Show. She played uh, one of uh, yeah, she played Theo's girlfriend, Justine. Okay. And she was like the girlfriend for the better part of a season. So, uh, and she would always be interacting with the family. And they, her and Theo would break up a bunch of times, you know, that kind of shit. But uh, that was the first thing I saw her on. And she actually did a couple episodes of like a, like a, a man called Hawk and TV shows like that back in the day. You know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, she actually passed away uh, in the late '90s from uh, stomach uh, cancer, I believe. Yeah, it's a rough one. And Malcolm Jamal Warner was actually there with her when she passed. So, but she was a wonderful young actress, and you know what I'm saying. Like I said, I loved her on the show. And then they've done a lot of reunion things lately with the cast of Phantom Matters, particularly uh, Eddie, Laura, and Waldo. They've been doing a lot of. There's been a lot of like uh, pictures with those three, like at Comic Cons and shit like that. People are loving it, man. Like, cause I see, I see the picture all over the place. One of the themes you can see, especially with network television right now, right? So, if you want new content, mm-hmm. new content is almost exclusively the domain of, of the streamers, right? I mean, you've, you've got some stuff coming around, like like The Neighborhood, right, with Cedric, mm. a few of these different, where they're, they're trying, they're kind of nibbling around the edges a little bit, but it's always more, you know, multi-cam, kind of traditional kinds of stuff. So most of the, the really new, top-of-the-line kind of comment, or, or content, rather, um, it's actually the domain of streaming. And what you're seeing, if you watch across the board with all of the, uh, the broadcasters, Everything that they're bringing back right now, everything that they're promoting, everything they're actually putting money and time into is really banking on nostalgia. Yeah. So whether you talk about even the way that they're remaking all of the Disney films, if you want to go on the feature side, or like you said, bringing back family matters, even if they're doing one night only special events, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. that's where those guys are finding the money. And here's the even better part. The producers, they know everybody over there because, you know, I mean, look, Hollywood's a super small town. It's a super small industry. I mean, maybe... If you want to include all the people below the line, mm-hmm. maybe 10,000 people really work in the industry on a regular basis, if yeah. even that. I mean, the people that are making decisions, it's like a it's like a big high school. Yeah. It's like maybe 5,000 people that are really doing all that stuff. Yeah. And so 
it, it would make sense that you would lean into, okay, yeah. I already, you know, I know Norman Lear or yeah. whoever it is, and you go with yeah. that, that direction. It's one phone call. I can, I can attest to that. Uh, Hollywood, even young black Hollywood, is very cliquish. Like people have that certain people that they deal with only, and you try to you try to get in there, but like you like no, I don't like I don't like I don't know you and such and such. It's very clickish, so you gotta. But it, the one thing I'm gonna say in defense of it, because I'm like I'm like you, I'm still trying to figure out where I'm gonna get my foot in the door so we can make the next step, especially when it comes to the creative content side of stuff, because you know I'm still working all the behind the scenes stuff. You're still doing you know, a lot more of the, for lack of a better word, they always say paying your dues, that kind of thing. Yeah. When it comes to being in a production, when it comes to making a making a movie or making a, because I've done a couple of those like, low below level behind the scenes shit, there's so much that goes wrong in any production that you do. I mean, you move to something like television where if this thing picks up, mm-hmm. we're looking at potentially ten, if we're lucky, six to ten years of working together. Mm-hmm. People want to go with known quantities, so it's like even if you look at something like, um, uh, oh shit, what's what's uh, what's his name from. Um, uh, Oh god, my my brain just went away. Uh, Tom Sizemore. You look okay. at Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore, uh, he had a problem, really big problem, a little while back. Mm-hmm. It burned a lot of bridges. Or even you can go with uh, uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, burned a lot of bridges when they went out. Mm-hmm. Took him a little bit to get back in, but once he came back in, either be either one of those guys, and they did one, two things. They showed okay, I'm I'm back on track. I'm handling it. Best They're a known yeah. quantity again. Best example of that, Downey Jr. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is probably the best, Yeah, right? Because he went, he slammed into the bottom, into the floor. Jesus Christ. And he came back. And actually, um, you know, one of the guys who's had probably a little more, uh, if we're going to be generous, I'd say maybe checkered experience in the the more recent history, Mel uh, Mel Gibson, he actually bonded him to get his first movie back because nobody would touch him. Yeah. So... When you have that known quantity, when you know the person's personality, most importantly, especially with the behind the scenes or the content creation side, mm-hmm. you know that person, their work ethic or whatever. It's like maybe this person's 80% of what your ideal would be, mm-hmm. but you know you have 80%. Mm-hmm. A lot of people find a sense of, of security in that because they know, okay, I know whatever the hell else goes wrong when we're making this movie, whatever mm-hmm. weather gets thrown at us, whatever financial issues we might run into, I know I can count on this person to be that 80%. Mm-hmm. It's very attractive versus, hey, here's this new person who showed up who might be 100%, mm-hmm. but they might be 40%. Yeah. You know, So that's that's kind of where that part of it rolls into it. So that's the only thing I'm going to say in defense of the nepotism. Gotcha. Now, so, you so, and I, we're going to work together. You know, <laughs> we, we know what to expect working with each other. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since we actually brought up the Cosby Show a little bit we're, uh, with uh, Michelle uh, Thomas, oh, the Cosby Show. Yeah. Oh, Bill. I, uh, I know, freaking like uh, the Cosby Show at one point was the show on television. It was actually the number one television show the f- like uh, of this, like, seven years it was on the air. Five of those years it was number one in the ratings. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look, it, it, here's the thing, and this is what you always run into um, when, when you're talking about art versus the artist. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you want to roll it back, let's, let's go way, way back. Mm hmm. To you know, for example, like Monet or Mane, right? If we're going to start talking about uh, or Pizarro, like all of the great impressionists, mm-hmm. I don't think you can find a one of them where you go, man, that person lived a wonderful and amazing life, mm-hmm. and they were just great people all the time. There's mm-hmm. a lot of really bad shit that people yeah. do because people are people, and this mm-hmm. isn't in defense of of, uh, of Bill Co- Cosby in in the horrible shit that we now know yeah. was going on. Yeah, but if we're gonna Take a second and step back from mm-hmm. the artist and look at just the yeah, art. They're, 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 we're, just looking, we're, look, we're just looking at the Cosby show itself. Now, at the time, right. yeah, the Cosby show was 
meant to be an aspirational show, particularly for African-American people. Now, it depicted the Huxtable family, a well-to-do black family in New York, in Brooklyn specifically. And uh, you had uh, Cliff, the hu- Cliff Huxtable, the husband, who was an OBGYN. I'm not going to go del- deeper into that. <laughs> Which, uh, now knowing what we know, yeah, yeah, ironic. Yeah, very, very ironic, yeah. And then uh, Claire was a lawyer. And, uh, you know, he had the five children, and then they had the grandchildren, and everybody was coming to the house. And then, like, right. uh, and people were talking about the cops, were like, oh, my God, like, every black family is like that. I'm like, I'm from a black family. Our family is nothing like that. <laughs> but then again, I mean, like, like I said, you can, you can look at, if you want to go down that road, yeah. you can look at, pick whatever you think the most aspirational white family is you can see on TV. Leave it to Beaver or some shit <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> I've never met that family. The, what was this other shit? Uh, the... the Patty Duke show. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, minus the meth sales, my, I'd say most most of the families, black or white, are probably a lot closer to Breaking Bad. My three sons. Yeah, they're just they're hanging on for dear life, trying to figure out how the hell to make it through the next payday. All right, now, like I said, the Cosby Show was uber popular at the time. Now, the Cosby Show produced its own spinoff, A Different World. Mm-hmm. Well, A Different World ran from 1987 to 1993. Now, the producers of the Cosby Show created the spinoff specifically around. Denise Huxtable, yep. Lisa Bonet. Now, at the time, Lisa had a little bit of a controversy going herself because she is starred in the movie Angel Heart with uh, Robert De Niro and Mickey Rourke. And one of the more graphic scenes in the movie uh, pertains to a sex scene between her and Mickey Rourke. And it's like blood, and she's topless, and it's very strange and very weird. But Bill, being who he was at the time, wanted to preserve the family aesthetic of the Cosby Show. So having one of the daughters topless in a movie was not really, you know, good to go. Well, uh, he's he's making decisions at that point, not as an artist, but as a businessman. Yeah. Because, I mean, here's the thing. He he was a producer on the show, too. Yes, and it's, the real sad thing about yeah. this, when it, you look at it, yeah. just for half a second on the economic side, mm-hmm. there was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of talent mm-hmm. in that show from beginning to end yeah. that had back-end deals that should be getting paid, should be making money now. Yeah. But because we all found out that, yeah. you know, Dr. Cosby wasn't uh, Dr. Huxtable. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the, networks yanked fucking Cosby well, show not, off. Not only they, not only they, not only the networks yanked it, but I mean, I, I'm not. Is, are you aware of a streamer that has it? No. I mean, there's, yeah, there's no, nothing. Yeah, so yeah, those no streamer, people, yeah, no streamer those service people aren't, aren't getting paid no more. I know Hulu has a different world. <laughs> <laughs> well, which, which, you know what? It's understandable. Yeah. Because when you look at it in hindsight and the totality of, of history and times, like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you know, I mean. It's, it's more about context, too, because that's yeah. one of the things that's frustrating if you look at the 80s yeah. and 90s. Mm-hmm. Context didn't mean anything. It was all about the what was it, especially when it comes to those controversies. Yeah, but uh, going back to the extra show stuff, like I said, because of the controversy of that, he wanted to keep Lisa, but also keep her away from the show, the main show, as, as much as possible. So he gave her this other show, A Different World. Yeah. The initial season of A Different World was focused mainly around Denise Huxtable. Mm-hmm. She was the main character. And all the other ancillary characters, Dwayne Wayne and Whitley Gilbert, and, you know, and Jaleesa and all those other people, they kind of, you know, they were supporting people. Now, during that initial run... Um, Lisa Bonet got pregnant by her then boyfriend, later husband, Lenny Kravitz. Oh, no. Yeah. And, like, Bill was not keen on uh, having a show depicting a pregnant black woman, single black woman in college. So he, yeah. You know, you you have to say there's something ironic Mm -hmm. about somebody who is so obsessed with appearances. Because you can also roll this over. You look at just the way he treated Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And I mean, just the way he was in general when it came down to to a, a lot of young uh, black performers. Yeah, 
the guy, I mean, it makes sense when you think mm-hmm. about it because, you know, if you're that level of a predator, yeah. you want everyone thinking that you are Dr. Huxtable. You don't want anyone looking. And if anybody says anything, yeah. you want to make sure they go, oh, not Dr. Huxtable. Yeah, another great story is actually that um, Damon Wayans tells, like, how when he was doing his show, My Wife and Kids, he went to Bill Cosby for advice. Now, Bill loved Damon. He hated Sean Marlin. <laughs> <laughs> And they, they, he constantly chastised, particularly Marlon, because Marlon would do all the physical comedy. With the, like, he would do the stuff where you like catch his foot, and more like money, that. yeah, all that, oh all, all that physical humor that Marlon did. He hated. He he thought he was being, you know, uh, you know, being a, being a clown, that's, being a clown, that's, being that a stereotype. Thing, yeah. That's what he was. But um, but he wasn't. He was a hell of well. He is a hell of a comedian. Yes, he is actually. So uh, there is that. But yeah. uh, the actual show itself. Uh, uh, followed Denise Huxtable's adventures at uh, a fictional college called Hillman. Mm. Hillman College. Hillman was first actually first mentioned on the Cosby Show in like I think the fifth season of the first se- the fifth episode of the first season, and it's depicted as the college that uh, he uh, Cliff Huxtable graduated from, Claire Huxtable graduated from there, and their grandpa Grandpa Russell uh, graduated from there. And there were several episodes of the Cosby Show that depicted Hillman before they actually had a different world. They had, a, like, a reunion, this big reunion at uh, Hillman where, like, Russell was, like, in a parade and they mm-hmm. had this, like, un- they had this, like, inaugural thing because apparently, like, the president of uh, Hillman was retiring and the president knew Cliff and Claire and all this stuff. And so okay. They, so, yeah, they had a big ceremony at Hillman on, on the Cosby Show. And the main thing about it was is uh, to get the whole idea of the historically black college out there. You know, that's the first show to actually depict that lifestyle. That like you know, Howard or Tuskegee or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Particularly, Hillman was based on Morehouse College and uh, Spelman College, both in Atlanta. Okay. One is male, one is female, and also uh, I think certain parts of like I think Clark Atlanta is another school that they based it on. The exteriors that they would show on a different world were actually Howard. Really? Okay. So yeah. So. Yeah, because I, but, I, I remember it, there was yeah, a connection. And the actual area that they depict Hillman as being is kind of like in the DMV, like in the Virginia, Maryland area. So it's basically Howard. You okay. Know what I'm saying? And like I said, they had that you know that black college experience. So they had like step in and you know like uh, different relationships, you know, dealing with racism and all the different things like as young black people and uh, you know activism and all the different things and stuff they would do on the show. Now after Denise left the first season. They changed up the uh, direction of the show because they had a good show. It was it was it was a run like it was, the leading show was the Cosby Show, so it had great ratings. So uh, they changed up the direction of the show when they brought on Debbie Allen as the main director of the show, and they changed the whole get down. Like all the supporting characters became the main characters now: Dwayne Wayne and Willie Gilbert, and they added you know Ron Johnson and Freddie and yeah. uh, and Sinbad and all, <laughs> and all them other people and shit. And funny enough, a great fact. A lot of the cast members of In Living Color made guest appearances on A Different World before In Living Color came about. Keenan played a professor. David Allen Greer played a professor. Uh, Kim Wans was one of the students. I didn't realize that so many of those yeah. guys were on there. Yeah. It's, it's crazy when you look at it. Like, yeah. is that Kim Wans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like one of the students in like the in the fil- in the uh, female like dorm or whatever. Right. She stayed with Denise and Whitley and all them people. So huh. it's crazy, right? But uh, like I said, it went on to become its own show, and it ran from 1987 to 1993. Now, the most memorable episodes I remember of A Different World are a few of them. One of them featured an attempted date rape, which actually was... Right. Uh, and then, funny enough, it actually starred uh, Time Off, the dude from The uh, Last Dragon, mm. Bruce Leroy. He was the yeah, guy, yeah. he was like this handsome guy, but he had a tendency to be physical with women. Now, he uh, got into a relationship with the character Freddie, 
Dwayne Wayne knew of the guy's uh, reputation and said, no, this is a horrible idea. He's going to try to get to you. Now, they have a scene at the, towards the end of the episode where uh, they have their Freddie and the guy like going to like make out point or some bullshit like that They're right. in the car. And, of course, he tries to take advantage of her. Dwayne, knowing this might happen, followed them and actually you know, saves her. You know, saves him from being kind raped. Kind of a back to the future. Yeah, he saves him from being raped and shit. And then, of course, the guy eventually gets found out and expelled. Another episode dealing with uh, domestic abuse again. Uh, is one of the younger characters they had. Like, the older characters became, like, professors, and they graduated and shit. And they had these new generation, one of which was Jada Pinkett. Uh, she, Jada Pinkett was on? Jada Pinkett was on Man, a different world. I didn't world. see that. That's, like, her first major thing was on a different world. Huh. And, um, Hell of a start. Yeah, and then there's a couple other uh, people with her. And uh, one of the characters was like dating this like a DJ at the local radio station, but he was physically abusive. And sh- the girl would not like go to the police. Whatever. All the other people knew who he was. He was like you know this no down dude. And then finally she uh, at the last episode like because he's like bullying her the whole time. And like the cops came like nobody's gonna press charges right. And then the girl's like I am. That was the, the hero moment for the girl, and he got arrested and that, that good stuff. So that was a great episode. And the, really the most famous episode of, of, of A Different World is uh, the, the wedding episode, which is basically, uh, yeah, yeah Willie gets married to this, like, uh, sense, would-be senator named Byron or something like that, played by, uh, what's the name, Joe Morton? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, uh thing about it is she was madly in love with Dwayne Wayne, <laughs> and... But he wasn't really going nowhere in terms of, like, his life at that time. He was just a struggling guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But she really loved him. He really loved her. And But she decides to go with this other guy because he's affluent. Her mother wants it, all that other shit. It's basically the, the opposite of the way it looks yeah. in coming to America. Exactly. And then they have this big wedding ceremony. And during the wedding ceremony, then there's, like, this little sequence during the wedding ceremony where everybody she looks at looks like Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, because that's, that's who she's fixated on. Yep. And then finally Dwayne... Uh, decides to uh, man up and say at the wedding, like, if there's anybody who you know wishes not this wedding not to happen, please speak now, forever hold your peace. Dwayne does the <clears throat> and then, but then he like kind of mans up, like, Whitney, I love you, I love you all my heart. And then the, all the groomsmen come down trying to take him away, like, no, no. like he's fighting them off, like, no, I love you, with all my heart. Could you, will you marry me? I love you so much, like, baby, please. She's like, I do to him. Yeah. And everybody's like, she said it. She said I do, but to who? And then yeah. you see it's very clearly to Dwayne. And then she looks at Byron. She's like, I'm sorry. And then she runs into Dwayne's arms and had the big wedding. They had the big little big moment embrace. or whatever. And then right at that moment, it's like, oh, is somebody getting married today? Right here. So Dwayne <laughs> yeah. and Dwayne and Willie go up there. And they had this little quick shotgun wedding or whatever. And he kisses her. And the mother is outraged. Like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. And he's like, hey, Ma. <laughs> and she faints, and then, they, and then and it's, it's a great episode. It's like the best episode. That, oh, it's, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the definitive A Different World episode. For sure. Yeah. All right, so next one. Uh, this is one that's going to be a little different. Okay. I, I think you're going to roll with this. Hey, I'm, I'm rolling with everything. Mighty I like Mor- that we went yeah. deep, too. We started with all yes, the things. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this is uh, <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> hey, wait. Before we go too far. Yeah. When I was in grad school, yes, I'm listening. I, I was renting a room in a townhouse. One of my roommates who ended up renting the room a little bit later, mm-hmm. he was a classical guitarist. Mm-hmm. That's what he did to try to you know make a living now. He's probably, I was in my 20s, he was probably in early 40s. Okay. This dude, back in the day, when it was on TV, mm-hmm. 
he used to do Power Ranger episodes, mm-hmm. and he'd do Power Ranger episodes as the bad guy, and he'd do the martial arts and stuff and get his ass kicked. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> he's, he said he must have played like eight different guys who got his ass kicked by the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> nice, bro. So what happened was, like I said, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was a very popular show on Fox, and it ran like, you know, every day. Were like, you allowed to watch it? Yeah. I, I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up. My, I folks got, like, my folks didn't care. They love Power Rangers. My, my parents got upset because then I tried to do the shit I saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you had they had a legitimate reason for you. Yeah, exactly. Me, was, not so much. I, they're I, like, no, 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 no. We get you. I was, I was, a, I was a chubby homebody kid. So See, no, I was yeah. a chubby homebody kid. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I would try to do the karate. That's the same reason I, I wasn't never, allowed to I watch uh, to until I was like maybe yeah. twelve. I wasn't allowed yeah. to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because the same thing. I'd oh be like, God. yeah, let's go do some martial arts and shit. <laughs> let's go to get a ninja star on some ninjas. <laughs> I can see you doing some shit like that. It was basically that that episode of South Park where the kids have have the weapons. They're not supposed no, to have. You're, you're Dermot. <laughs> you, you watch you watch the Venture Brothers, right? Yeah. The Dermot. You're Dermot. Pretty much. You were Dermot. You had Pretty nunchucks. Much. Like fucking like you would keep fucking yourself up. You're like, like you I could I could do a better one if I had my tabby boots. <laughs> that was you, you that were fucking was, Dermot. As a kid, that was basically you were me. fucking Dermot. That was funny. <laughs> I can admit this because I, I mm-hmm. finally got married. So at this point, like yeah. you know, she stuck with me. Yeah. And all my but, dorkiness. Now in terms of expanding out itself for Power Rangers, like I said, Power Rangers was an immensely popular show. We had movies, it had God knows how many spin-offs. Well, they, just, which, they just had another movie. Yeah, which yeah, and they had they a remake of that. Uh, it still had. They, they still have like actual TV shows running to this day on like Disney yep. and other shit. Like like it's like the twentieth or twenty fifth iteration of Power Rangers at this point. I I can't track. But the actual spinoffs I'm be uh, referring to right now were actually the ones that usually came on Fox. And at the height of Power Rangers, basically the ripoffs of Power Rangers. Like yeah. oh, actually, most of them came on Fox. And one of them came on USA Network. Yeah. But the first one I want to talk about is a uh, VR Troopers. <laughs> you remember that one, right? Yeah, but see, when, you, when you're talking about stuff like this, yeah. though, it's not quite a spinoff as, but, yeah, as much yeah, no, as it's no, a ripoff. Because yeah. it's almost like the original Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. If anybody knows the, the story, the movie or whatever, right? Yeah. Fox essentially gets their ass handed to him because they make the worst deal ever with uh, George Lucas, giving him all the merchandising and everything. And everyone else in town goes, oh, my God, do you see how much money Star Wars is making? So Universal yeah. rushes out that piece of shit movie Battle, where it was but, literally nearly a carbon copy but dumber. Uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, right? Well, I, it was. I, I only know it as Battlestar Galactica. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they finally did okay when they did the with the Cylons and everything. When they did the yeah. remake of the TV show. Yeah. Okay. But uh, like yeah, I said, these basically are ripoffs. So let's go with that. Right <laughs> okay. Now. But, so this uh, is but, ripoffs more than spinoffs. Uh, this is ripoffs more than spinoffs. So the first one is VR Troopers. Now they basically what they did is they took the Power Rangers formula: young kids, you know. Fighting, you know, getting these uh, powers and fighting a certain enemy or whatever. But the whole thing with Power Rangers was they would rip off footage from old Super Sentai shows from the <laughs> 70s in Japan. Yeah. So it's like 1970s footage, but like they would have the kids in like modern day, and it's like very clear the body types are different. Yeah, the it martial, was obvious. The martial, that it was, the martial arts levels are different. Well, it was essentially mm-hmm. uh, it was essentially leased footage. Yes, they, they basically go and they find these mm-hmm. these old uh, treasure troves. Of extra film that yeah. they shot, so they nobody did anything, and they just so, yeah. rent it. So these were '90s action shows with footage from the '70s. <laughs> so now with VR Troopers, they took three different uh, Japanese shows: uh, uh, Matado, Matador, uh, Spielberg, and Shader. That's what, I think that's the pronunciation. So basically, the story is like three kids uh, granted special powers to fight uh, against the forces of Grimlord, a benevolent being from virtual reality. 
and he had like evil mutants and shit like that. So they basically, you know, did the whole get down. The thing about it was the show only lasted two years because of the fact they ran out of Japanese footage of those shows. I, I gotta say, I'm really impressed with your pronunciation. Thank you. It's it's almost like you're, you know, a native. Shut did up. you live there? Actually, I did live. That's the, that's the really fucked up part. I actually did live in Japan for a year. Nihongo hanashimasu I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> I'm really not. The next one is actually uh, Masked Rider, which is a ripoff of the Kamen Rider uh, franchise in Japan. Uh, follows a kid named Dex, who's an alien prince uh, who comes to, who comes from this world who's descended from insects. Uh, he comes to Earth. Um, he's forced to flee to Earth and makes his last stand as the Masked Rider to defend both planets from this like alien warlord and shit like that and the same thing they took uh, um, footage from the Kamen Rider series which was basically a close relative of the Super Sentai series that Power Rangers is based on yep. and same thing it also it also didn't last very long because they ran out of footage that's, yeah. the, that's the biggest problem mm-hmm. with that as your uh, your yeah. formula. Yeah. The uh, next one, uh, these are all really quick. Next one uh, is a Big uh, big Bad Beetleborgs. <laughs> this is actually, of these uh, these ones I'm listing, this is actually the more successful one because I remember watching Big Bad Beetleborgs and they had a really weird premise. Better than Transformers. It was better than Transformers, <laughs> actually. But uh, these, these three kids, two white kids, one black kid, uh, go into this haunted house, which is so weird. And then they uh, find, and they uh, find this like, in the, in the, like the, there's like monsters in the house, and all the monsters are like the universal monsters. Yeah, this is like Frankenstein and the mummy, so it's not really scary at all. Yeah. And then they have this one ghost who's like the head, like person of the house named Blabber, who's basically a blue version of Jay Leno. <laughs> Same thing, blue face makes really bad jokes, had huge chin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And basically, what happens was they find Blabber, and he's like, hey, uh. Uh, I'll grant you guys one wish and they're like uh, at the time they were reading this comic book called Big Bad Beetleborgs and they decided you know what could you make us into the Beetleborgs and that's what happened and they became superheroes and shit and the source material for this particular one is uh, another Japanese show called Bee Fighter yeah so you know it's, it's the crazy thing especially with television when you look at it whether you, it doesn't matter where you're going a lot of the most successful television shows mm-hmm. have source material from another country like there's, there's actually a documentary you can watch when they took Ray yeah, you know, the the isn't that what they go? Oh, no, everybody loves Raymond. That's what it was okay. when they took that to Russia because they ended up remaking it and and doing it for a Russian audience and playing around with it. And I mean, like we were t- joking around about before with Tarantino's uh, paraphrasing of "Good artists borrow, great artists steal." Feel, yeah, it's, no more is it more true than in television. Whether you're talking about cartoons or live action, multicam, single cam, all of this stuff generally has a very similar formula and a lot of like I mean even The Office that, that was a really interesting uh, reimagining of what we had going on with, uh, with The Office in, uh, in the UK yeah oh what'd you find uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm show you this in a second. Like we can't we can't really show it on the actual. Well, we have no video, so we can't really show it. Show it, but what but I'm gonna show you. If people start donating, we might. Yeah, but what I'm gonna show you right now is the last of the ripoffs, and it's actually my favorite because of how stupid it was. <laughs> <laughs> stupid <laughs> or brilliant? Well, you tell me. I'm gonna tell you the title. It's a fine line. Tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Okay, I I don't even know this one, but I'm in. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show real quick. I'm gonna show AJ the intro. And you can look this up on YouTube. It's, it's on YouTube. <laughs> okay. Is this awesome? <laughs> this, this is literally wait nearly a carbon copy of Power, Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but there's like a there's like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles twist. Yeah. But okay. So the teenagers. Okay. So he's a, from Beverly Hills, of course. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. and they have tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> 
Do they, did they use the set from uh, Saved by the Bell? Might as well, yeah. And apparently, apparently they also have uh, transporters because yeah. they want to get some out of Star Trek. Good God. Alien fighters. You've got to watch this stuff. You've got to watch it. you got to watch it. Alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Definitely, definitely watch it. Look, look at the generic <laughs> ass actors in here. Well, I mean, you're not going to get, like, Natalie Portman. I know, but still, just look. Just look. <laughs> black guy. Uh, and of course, the token black guy, of course. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so that's a first for us. Ho- hopefully that audio doesn't get us pulled. <laughs> no, 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 like, I'm pretty sure it's Leo Strucker, but like... Well, no, I just mean because we definitely picked it up on the mic. I'm uh, just looking, yeah, I'm yeah. looking at it here on the... Uh, yeah, we, we, we should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that Look was... Look it up, watch it. That was Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly <laughs> It is amazing. It is awful. It's everything I hoped it would be. And so what they did is they took the shit. You saw the tattoos, right? So they did uh, astrological signs as opposed to, like, dinosaurs and shit like that. They did on the Power Rangers. So they Scorpio. <laughs> and instead of actually having, like, a Megazord or some shit like that, because, of course, they couldn't They couldn't do that. that. So they just had them. They had the uh, actual people grow to giants, fighting yeah. giant monsters. <laughs> Good God. I will, awesome, say, I will say, that I think, if I remember correctly, my, mm-hmm. my cinematic history, you could maybe argue that uh, King Kong was the first one, but I feel Godzilla and all of the Japanese production that came out in the 70s yeah. was the, the progenerator mm-hmm. of this kind of thing, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's do scale model cities, and we're just going to destroy this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's go to the next one. So now we're going to go back to sitcoms again. And are, and are these going to actually be uh, spinoffs? Yes, they are. Okay, back yeah. to spinoffs. Uh, so Enough rip-offs. Yeah, so, uh, well, actually, we're going to do another one. Star Wars 1 is actually another one that's very similar to All in the Family that started as a British show, Sanford and Son. Mm-hmm. And the actual British origin is comes from a show called Steptoe and Son. Same thing, where it's like, a, but it's two British dudes, an old British dude and his young British son, and they're like... Living in a junk house and selling junkyard shit, and they get into get rich quick schemes and shit like that. <laughs> so that's basically what it was. But this starred Red Fox and uh, Lam- uh, Lamont Demond Wilson as uh, Lamont. You know, as you're as you're describing the the setup and the idea, mm-hmm. it's really not that dissimilar from one of my favorite t- uh, television shows right now. It's Always Sunny in Philly. Yeah. The main difference is instead of living uh, in a junkyard and, and selling junk, they run a shithole oh, bar. Right. But and still, the same thing. Every episode's essentially a game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of the characters that came out of Sanford and Son, besides Fred Sanford and his son Lamont, he had his friends like Bubba and Aunt Esther and uh, Grady and all them <laughs> other different people. Now, the first spinoff to come from Sanford and Son is Grady. Uh, Whitman Mayo as Grady. Uh, I don't Reg- remember that. Yeah, he got his own show. And actually what it was is, like, he moved from Watts, where the show uh, Sanford and Son is based, to Westwood. And uh, he lived with his daughter and her husband, who was, like, an attorney or some shit. And the whole different thing where he's, like, this, you know, milling old man coming in, you know, messing up their lives and shit like that. Yeah. So that was the whole get down of Grady. Uh, never found a solid audience, and actually it was canceled after 10 episodes. And then eventually Grady returned back to Sanford and Son. And again, at least he had somewhere to land. Yeah. Now, uh, the next spinoff actually is another one that only lasted a year, The Sanford Arms. I never, don't know this one. Never heard of this one? Okay. So uh, both uh, both uh, Red Fox and uh, Damon Wilson left the show due to contract disputes. And what they had was they basically kind of did like a little 
closer on Sanford and Son, stating that Fred and Lamont had moved to Arizona. Now, in the later episodes of the show, there was an apartment building apparently next to the junkyard that Fred was talking about buying. Now, eventually, they buy it towards the end of the episode, but then they explain that they moved away. So they sold the property to this dude named Phil Wheeler, who was a widower and old army friend of Fred's. Now, Phil was played by an actor named Theodore Wilson, who is best known as Sweet Daddy on uh, <laughs> on uh, Good Times. So he was playing a straight-laced character here. He's running this hotel, and he moves in, and he has, like, two teenage kids named Angie and Nat. And the whole primary thing is, like, them building this, uh, turning this uh, apartment building into an actual hotel, the Sanford Arms. And what happened was they have, like, all the different characters from Sanford and Son come back on this show working as employees of the hotel. Now, uh, Bubba is like uh, apparently like a, I think he's like the handyman or some shit like that. Grady's there. Onesta's like helping with finances and shit like that. And then like the whole little, uh, they have little adventures in the show or whatever. But eventually, you know, same thing happens. Never really caught on. Only lasted one season in 1977. Now, after this um, is an actual continuation of sorts, sort, very similar to uh, Archie Bunker's place. Hmm. There's one called Sanford. Uh, with Red Fox. Red Fox came back as Fred Sanford. Now, what happened was this uh, was added in March 1980 as a mid-season replacement. Now, DeMond Wilson refused to play uh, Fred, uh, Lamont again because he had found God and yeah. decided to get out of show business. So um, they basically explained him as being the way that Lamont now works in the Alaska Pipeline, very similar to James yeah. Evans. So Apparently, the Alaska Pipeline was where, oh my God, where yeah. all characters yeah, went if, to if, die. Yeah, if, you, if you go away, you got to go to the Alaska Pipeline. I mean, it's far enough away. Now, his new business partner, because of the fact that he needed to have somebody there, was this giant white boy named uh, Cal Petty, who was a big white boy southerner who worked with Lamont. And Lamont sent him down there to you know help with his dad. Now, keep in mind, uh, Cal is big... Um, Southern boy, you know what I'm saying? Very optimistic, very jovial, very nice to get along with for anybody else. But Fred being Fred, he kind of treats him like shit. Yeah, because <laughs> that's kind of what he did. Yeah, that's kind of what he did. And they brought back a bunch of the other characters from the show, like the original show. Like Rollo actually uh, joined the cast as a, a, a delivery man for the, for the junkyard and shit. Hmm. And uh, they, yeah, they brought back uh, Grady, they brought back Bubba, and eventually they brought back Ann Anster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one lasted only, like, two seasons. So, Sanford, there's that. Yeah, but, I mean, look, you can't, and this is just my opinion. Obviously, yeah. I wasn't there. I didn't get to make the decision. You can't mm-hmm. really go wrong with Red Fox. Yeah, you can't. I mean, the, the man, the man's a comedic god. Yeah. yeah. Now, the next one is actually a very, very well-established show that people love to this day, The Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Here's a story <laughs> of a lovely lady. You have a connection to the Brady Bunch. You just bring in a... What? Yeah. A TMI. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay, so what he's referring to is on uh, my sketch show, man, TMI Hollywood. They do it. They have a recurring Brady Bunch segment, and in the beginning of the Brady Bunch segment, they have me as Alice. <laughs> so, yeah. And, You're gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, they always have me as Alice. They have different actors play the different uh, Brady Bunch people, but they always have me as Alice. And, uh... <laughs> so the Brady Bunch of Glenn was a very popular show in the, in the early 1970s, lasted from 1969 to 1974. And, of course, you know, towards the end, they, be, they went from just a regular family to a goddamn musical group. <laughs> and, and good time music. You know, that was actually, mm-hmm. I think that's the first sitcom to ever, you know, broach the subject of uh, blended families. Yeah, because the fact that, you know, both are uh, from divorcee families. Yep. Uh, yeah, like... Uh, 
Yeah, Mike Mike Brady had his kids, and Carol had her. Uh, was Carol right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, Mike Carol had her. I'm gonna kids. I'm gonna just be honest with everyone. Yeah, I I don't think I watched more than maybe two episodes. Yeah, I mean I'm aware of it, but yeah, I knew, I remember the uh, you know the, you know the, you know the football shit where you know like she hits the shoulder. Oh yeah. my nose! That shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, something suddenly came up. Marsha, Marsha, you know, Marsha. That you know the, the the standard pop culture stuff of the Brady Bunch, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, but uh, the Brady's go Hawaiian, yeah. Where they have like the fucking like the tiki, the tiki, the tiki statue that's like giving everybody bad luck. Well, then they started doing stuff. They have like what like Charo on and stuff like that, right? No, 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 no. Oh no, that was that was always like the musical things featuring the Brady Bunch. Exactly. That's I'm what it was. Getting into that now, the Brady Bunch itself had a couple spinoffs on its own. The first one was a cartoon called the Brady Kids. <laughs> now, uh, now, basically, what it was is it had the Brady kids themselves on various adventures. Uh, the adults were never mentioned or never seen. No Alice, no Carol, no no Mike, nothing. And they always that's okay. We don't need adults. And of course, they have like talking dogs and shit like that. And, you know, it's very seventies TV show. And actually, funny enough, uh, the Super Friends actually started on the Brady kids. There was really? an episode where uh, they met Superman and Wonder Woman, I believe, huh. and they had an adventure with them. And that the actors that they use and the design that they use for the Brady kids went over to the fucking Justice League. Well, so I mean, there's you your connection to the went, MCU. Yeah, went over I don't to know, the, that's uh, DC. Yeah, Sorry. went over to the uh, Super Friends cartoon. So they started in there. Now, the first 17 episodes had the, uh, all the six original kids, but uh, towards the end of the shit, um, Barry Williams, Marie McCormick, and Christopher Knight were replaced after the after a contract dispute. So that hey, ended. once once money gets into it, stuff gets mm-hmm. fucked up. Then another one, which is a commonplace in the seventies, um, the Brady Bunch Hour. Yeah, they had a variety show where they were a musical act, and there was no mention of the house, and they would do like lame jokes and shit. So like, yeah. so Sunny and Sh- Sunny and Cher type shit, the Osmonds, the Jacksons, everybody. That's had, where Charles was. Yeah, yeah, that's what Charles was. Was Kiss on an episode of that? It might have well been. I feel, I feel like Kiss was at some point. Probably, I don't doubt it. But like, yeah, that's around the time Kiss saved Santa, <laughs> <laughs> or saved Christmas and Santa, something like that. I think, I think they were on Donna Shore or some shit like that. I don't know, <laughs> Either way, but some weirdo shit like that. But yeah, they had their own variety show and they would do songs and skits and shit like that. <laughs> and apparently, it was produced by the same people that did HR Puff and stuff. <laughs> The Croft, oh, you know what? The Croft family, yeah. I Sid, was say, Sid, I, Sid and Marty Croft. I, I actually, um, I was fortunate enough, I got to meet him once. He's a nice guy. He's still out there making shit. Sid Croft? Yep. Cool. I, I was working, I was doing a bunch of trucking stuff for uh, for his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, for the for the company, but I was dealing more with mm-hmm. his daughter. But I got to meet him for mm-hmm. like two minutes, and he was a hell of a nice guy. Funny enough, HR Puff and stuff is my mom's favorite cartoon. When she's oh, yeah? Kid. Yeah, she loves HR Puff and stuff. Dude, their office is killer, man, because they've got, they've got all this HR Puff and stuff stuff <laughs> <laughs> all, all around. It's great, man. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. But yeah, they had their own variety show, like I said. A bunch of other acts had the same thing. Sonny and Cher, the Osmonds, the Jacksons had one. Yeah. Very similar. And uh, but yeah, they had a little variety show. It only lasted a season, but the same thing. It only it is very sporadic when they would put it on, so it never really caught on. Uh, the next one would be the Brady Brides in '81. <laughs> they did a TV reunion movie in 1981 called "The Brady Girls Get Married," and basically it brought everybody back. And uh, basically, it would be the only time the entire cast worked together on a single project after the cancellation of the original show. Yep. Is this is this TV movie? So what the whole premise was: Marsha and Jan are both getting married at the exact same time, 
And uh, that, that was the premise of the movie. And then eventually they, they took that premise over into a show, which was actually a sitcom, which is the only Brady-related show that was actually filmed in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they had, you know, the whole little get down to marriage and all the bullshit. And of course, mm-hmm. Marsha playing second fiddle. Yeah, it only lasted a year. Of course. Actually, sorry, Jen's playing the second fiddle to Marsha. Marsha, of course. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah. And then uh, after that, they had a show called The Brady's in 1990, which was actually a TV drama. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, one. they did a. Uh, well, I know you. I know you heard of this. The the TV movie they did, a yes. very Brady Christmas. I do. I do know that. <laughs> yeah, the, which aired around nineteen. Like, it actually aired in nineteen eighty eight, and it brought everybody back except for Cindy, who was actually on a honeymoon at the time. They replaced her, uh, but the Nielsen ratings of that show it was actually the highest rated TV movie of the entire year for CBS. What? So, yeah, they said, yo, we got something here. There so, it is, playing with that nostalgia again. So man. they brought everybody back for a, you know, pseudo-drama show called The Brady's. They brought back Mike and brought back, you know, Carol and everybody. You know, everybody's grown now and married and having kids and shit. And uh, funny enough, Cindy wasn't in the TV movie, and also Marshall was not on the fucking TV show. <laughs> so Marie McCormick didn't do, um, <laughs> didn't do Marsha. And they were trying to do it like like thirty something, you know that TV, yeah. you know, the TV show. So they, yeah, it didn't work out either. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you, you you never know if it's gonna work till you try. Okay, this next one, that a lot of people are not gonna know, and you're not gonna know either. But when I tell you what it's about and who like who, what what it spawned, you be like, uh, okay. Have you ever heard of a show called Sam and Friends? No. No. Okay, so the reason you probably didn't air, but hear about it because it aired in 1955. To 1961, it was basically a uh, show that ran locally in Washington D.C., and it was an early live-action puppet show or whatever. Okay. And it had one character named Sam who was like this human and didn't talk. And one of the ancillary characters on that show was a lizard character named Kermit. No shit. And who would evolve to Kermit, Kermit the, the Frog. Frog. And it was ran by Jim Hansen and his wife. That's who created it. But the character and the show was so popular, even in this little market, that the Muppets started, you know, getting it out It became there. a thing. The very first Muppet to get any national exposure was Rolf. The really? dog. The dog. <laughs> Rolf the dog. And it because and he was because he would appear regularly on regularly on the Jimmy Dean show. Okay. And I mean Jimmy Dean as of Jimmy Dean sausage for us kids out there. <laughs> 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 Who also was in a Bond movie, yeah. Diamonds Are Forever, yeah. But back then he was a singer and actor. Yep. But now he's most known for his sausage. <laughs> They're tasty. They are pretty good, actually. Yeah. He's most known for that and Paula. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> his, his daughter, for anyone who hasn't paid any attention to pop pa- culture for the Paula last Dean, 15 yeah. years. Yeah, Paula Dean, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so because of that popularity, they would start, the Muppets would start appearing on different TV shows like The Tonight Show, and they had a little segment on Saturday Night Live, which was actually more adult-oriented at the time, and they actually, they actually had some adult-oriented specials on TV, like uh, I think The Muppets, Sex and Violence and shit like that. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> So yeah, they did stuff like that, but they got in contact. Uh, they were actually um, contacted by Joan Gans Cooney and uh, Lloyd Morissette for developing a children's educational program, and that particular children's educational program, produced by the Children's Television Workshop, Sesame Street, mm-hmm. debuted in 1969 with Jim Hansen and his creative team. And Jim Hansen actually did a fucking George Lucas deal with Sesame Street. He waived his performance fee in exchange for retaining ownership rights to the Muppets characters created for that show. Yep. So one again, one of those brilliant business moves that has paid off 
Tremendously. Just insanely. One and one of the crazy things I think last I heard probably around wasn't the wasn't it was when the Elmo craze came back again. Mm-hmm. Not the Tickle Me Elmo from yeah. the nineties, but this would have been around two thousand twelve, something like that. Yeah. They were saying that the um, uh, the licensing rights for all the different material that they've got the the stuffed animals all that shit mm-hmm. it's about 40 million a year yeah it's about what they're bringing in and yeah. I mean you can still see if you drive through Hollywood today yeah the Jim um, Hansen the Jim Hansen company is in Hollywood well yeah. they they actually they ended up buying and their current their current location where they are mm-hmm. um, used to be Charlie Chaplin Studios yeah my, uh, my friend and his uh, my two friends uh uh, Russ and Sarah Guberman, uh, they got married at the uh, in Jim Hansen studio. Like, oh, did? Like, oh, that's cool. Like two years ago. It, it's yeah. a really, look, it's of yeah. all the stages in town, it's probably one of the smallest, if yeah. not the smallest. Yeah. But it's it's still great. There's so much history and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, everything was closed down when we went there, but I can see like the posters and all the different yeah. stuff. And then you see like the Kermit a statue going into there. Like, well, yeah. and if I remember correctly, I believe there's also like uh, one of those. Um, uh, it's kind of like they do at uh, the the Chinese theater mm-hmm. where they've got like uh, footprints and stuff from Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, cool. it's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool place you ever get there. But yeah, Sesame Street debuted and it became a hugely popular store, which still runs to this day. Yep. Yeah, and actually, if you look at the original episode of Sesame Street, uh, there's like a group of black singers. One of them is Luther Vandross. No <laughs> oh, shit. Very young Luther Vandross. He looks like fucking like he looks like at least eighteen. <laughs> he's, he's chubby and he's like, yeah, like this. Like, and, and then one, another one of the early episodes is Stevie Wonder doing Sesame Street, the Sesame Street theme yeah. uh, synthesizer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen Sesame that. <laughs> it's so funky. <laughs> but yeah, it's so fucking dope, man. But yeah, Sesame Street still runs to this day, and then Sesame Street. Uh, plateau and like well I say plateau well, but, well, but I was gonna say yeah. I mean it's been syndicated yeah. into yeah. like a hundred countries or something they yeah. have versions that they do in pretty much every every yeah, uh, re- industrial re- country I, I realize I said I realize I said I misspoke but Sesame Street actually led to another landmark TV show for the uh, Muppet franchise the Muppet Show yep the Muppet Show which debuted in 1976 it was basically produced in England and run and it was on first run syndication in here in the US state, United States or whatever but because of the fact that it Introduced this whole new in universe of characters. Introduced Miss Piggy, mm-hmm. Fozzie, Gonzo, Animal, fucking a whole. Uh, what's, what's the band? Oh, I can't remember the name of the band, but I Electric Mayhem. Yeah, where, Electric where, Mayhem. Where, Dr. Teeth. <laughs> and, and you've got Animal as the drummer, which is perfect. Ah, 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 <laughs> I love Animal, man. But yeah, all those characters got introduced on The Muppet Show, and that was so popular and it's so because it had such a unique sense of humor and the way it was done. And the, the fucking guest stars yeah. on The Muppet Show were ridiculous. Roger Moore, Steve Martin, fucking Sylvester Stallone. You, honestly, it was as big a deal, if not bigger, yeah. than, uh, than being on Tonight Show. Yeah, and then I mean, it was huge, huge. Mark Hamill, when he was like just becoming Luke Skywalker, was yep. on The Muppet Show, like all that shit. And of course, because of its unique uh, sense of humor and the, the, the prolific uh, stature that it got, it was nominated for 22 Emmy Awards, winning four for Outstanding Variety Series. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, and, and again, one of the things that's great with them, too, and I think you're just starting to lead into this, so I'm sorry I'm stepping on your toes. No, go ahead. All, all of the movies. That's what, exactly which they, Which exactly. they still, and that's the great thing, mm-hmm. too, about Muppets or, or anything that's animated. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're, if you're uh, actor's age. Yeah. And even if they get to the point where they just they don't want to do it anymore or yeah. they can't do it anymore, yeah. the show doesn't change. You just have to find somebody who can 
match the voice close enough. Yeah. And then, of course, like I said, the TV show led to the movies, the Muppet movie, the great Muppet caper, the Muppets take Manhattan, and the list goes on and on. And Did the you Muppet see Christ- that? Uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, all that shit. What was it, the Melissa McCarthy movie with the Muppets, where it was like a rated R, like adult version? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like the I, some, remember, some, something, something murders. It's like the Muppet murders or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And there's, from what I remember, there's mm. like a fight between the estate and I think maybe one of the kids might have been involved with getting it made it's, it's pretty mm. crazy but to, to the point yeah that turned out in fact it was hilarious enough there's mm. a, a a group that I'm on uh, on Facebook uh, Briar Nation shout out to Briar Nation guys mm-hmm. um, had a hilarious uh, little thing that you're doing on there before it was like pick a movie one character gets to be human all the rest are Muppets and so guys are going back and forth trying to like mine that I went with was Casino Keep Don Rickles <laughs> every other character's a Muppet but Don Rickles <laughs> Pishy is a Muppet that's funny <laughs> all of them man De Niro's a Muppet yeah, Charlie yeah. M <laughs> you ain't pop your fucking eye out for that piece of shit <laughs> and the Muppets doing this shit that's what I'm that, saying that, like, that would be hilarious but, but that's what's so great about this concept of Muppets right I yeah. mean it, it created an entire in fact you know set mm-hmm. that aside mm-hmm. you go over to something like uh, Avenue Q yeah. I mean it created an entire new genre mm-hmm. it really did because, yep. I mean, puppetry prior to that was it was a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was something of a bygone era. I mean, you couldn't even go to vaudeville, really. I mean, unless you wanted to play around with, like, uh, ventriloquism. You had to go back, like, yeah. way back. I want to do, I want to, like, we, I'm just throwing this out there. I want us to do a Muppet show. A Muppet show? Yeah. <laughs> that would, uh, I, do you think it would be PG? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not but, even but we'll, we'll, I want us to do a Muppet All show. All right, well, let's, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, tab- we'll table we, that for now. For, uh, for the Muppet franchise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but okay, so we're done with the Muppets now. Now, this is the next one. Is a very obscure show. You probably won't know it, but you but you will know what came out of it. You ever heard of Liquid Television? It sounds familiar. It aired on MTV and is basically a showcase for adult uh, animation. The most fr- the two most famous skits that came out of the show: Beavis and Butthead yep. and Aeon Flux. That's what okay. That's what's what I got. Yeah, it from. I remember the Aeon Fuzz cartoons when they I, were I know so what, freaky. I know it more for for Beavis and Butthead. Butthead yeah, like the first uh, the first but Beavis and Butthead skit, Frog Baseball, was on <laughs> Liquid Television, and it was so popular that it spawned to their own TV show, Beavis and Butthead, which ran from 1993 to 1997, and had a brief revival in 2011. Which actually, when you watch the movie and everything, yeah. and, and then watch yeah. the run of the series, yeah. that leads into. Yeah, uh, Daria. Well, no, nah, I wasn't going to do just Daria. Yeah, but King of the Hill. That's true. Because well, you, you, you get, I mean, yeah. even though even though the, yeah. the concept of, of Hank Hill yeah. isn't fully developed, propane and propane accessories, but you Mr. still, yeah, you Mr. still Mr. run. Mr. Anderson, him. the neighbor, Mr. Anderson is not only but, not only looks like him, but his personality is actually exactly the same, same voice yeah. and everything. Yeah, Mr. Anderson on Beavis and Butthead was basically Hank Hill. Yeah, but uh, like I said, uh, well, I was going to say the spinoff of Beavis and Butthead, Daria. Yes, Daria for sure. Daria is very Gen X. It is oh, more, yeah. probably one of the most Gen X cartoons you ever seen in your entire life. Because like she's just like basically Janine Garofalo is a teenager, yeah. like just uber depressed and uber Which, like you know. And nothing against yeah. any of her live action stuff. I think that's still her best work. Yeah, it's great because you really get. They did a great job of helping um, helping audiences be able to connect. Mm-hmm. And it allows a lot of the understated, it's almost gallows humor at some points, mm-hmm. to really land. Okay. 
without uh, without getting lost in her facial expressions or anyone else. Gotcha. All right, so we got a. Uh, I'm actually we're gonna, we're gonna do like two more shows because we're actually kind of running long here. Actually, you know what? I think I can knock out a couple more. But, uh, no, let's keep right. cruising. Yeah. Okay. I'm having fun. Right. Yeah. So the next show, the Golden Girls. <laughs> there you go. The Golden Girls, you know, four old biddies in Miami. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's basically Sex in the City before Sex in the City, but they didn't actually show any sex. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> but yeah, it would have been uh, but, but it's a little four, rough. But it's four veteran television actresses Ooh. freaking uh, B. Arthur, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, and Estelle Getty. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Blanche, was it Rose, uh, Dorothy, and Sophia. Those are the names, yeah. And they all living in this house, and they're talking about their sex lives and shit like that, and they have, like, little adventures. But the show is more popular than... It shows super popular, like, freaking, like... It's up there with the Cosby show at the time in terms of its popularity. Now, that's another one of those shows where all four leads won the Emmy at different times. I'm uh, sorry, I'm still just stuck on showing sex for a Golden Jesus Rose. Christ. Yeah. It's just so disturbing. But that's what, this is what the show is about. It's like, I know. like, like when I was like when I was young, I didn't get it, but like as a, I rewatched yeah. a cute few of them. Oh, as an adult, like, oh my God. <laughs> All they talk about is sex and cheesecake. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it's sex and cheesecake, yeah. old ladies. <laughs> Almost enough to ruin sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine fucking B. Arthur riding? Okay, 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 okay. okay. B. Arthur riding dick. We didn't need <laughs> So what do you got next? <laughs> you can say sex. You can say sex in the city was a spinoff. Uh, whatever, well, fuck that shit. That's good. I'm on this subject now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get off now. I'm gonna get off now. All right, thank you. I'm gonna get off. I'm gonna get off of B. Arthur. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you better get off of B. Arthur. B. Arthur, get off of you. <laughs> that B. Arthur voice though. <laughs> 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 Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. All right. So the first spinoff, there's another one. that's just like it's not really a spinoff, but it's a continuation of the original series, The Golden Palace. You heard this show? No, I don't think so. Same thing. It's almost basically identical to the Sanford Arms. Hmm. What happens is like, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, the the last show of the Golden Girls had the Dorothy character, the B. Arthur character, be right. married off. She married some guy. I don't remember the guy's name, but he was played by Leslie Nielsen. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. So they married her off, and then, like, the three remaining ladies are left there in Miami, so they decide to invest in this hotel. And funny enough, the hotel features young Don Cheadle as, like, the the, the door guy, uh, as, like, the main guy, the, like, the manager or whatever. Okay. And Cheech Marin as the cook. Hmm. That's yeah. actually great casting. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so basically, yeah, they that was basically the whole premise of the show is them, these old biddies running the hotel now. So... <laughs> It only lasted one year, so. Uh, but another spinoff, Empty Nest, which I actually did watch. Now they tried the uh, whole premise of uh, Empty Nest on an earlier episode with two other people, uh, and the whole basically the whole get down is the Empty Nest syndrome, where you know your old parents and then you, you know, all your children move out and. I'm trying to figure out what are you gonna you do? do? Yeah, empty nest. You know what I'm saying? So the the episode itself was whatever, but they just tried they tried to do the concept again, but they used another actor, Richard Mulligan, okay. uh, as a as a doctor named Harry Wesson, who basically worked at this hotel, they worked at this hospital that the Golden Girls were frequent. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So he was like a uh, he was like a kind of a spinoff character from there, and he had his own show. It was basically him living in Miami with him. His like all his his he has two daughters. Both of them move, have moved out, but they moved back in because they both got 
problems. And the daughters were, one of them was Christy McNichol. Okay. Yeah. And the other one was uh, Dinah Manoff, who was on, like, on Soap, and she was in Grease and all those movies. Uh, <laughs> David Leisure, as uh, <laughs> as the neighbor, he's like a fighter. He's, he's basically Quagmire before Quagmire. <laughs> he, like, he looks like Quagmire, he acts like Quagmire, but very smarmy, kind of pilot guy, always trying to get laid. He's always, try- <laughs> he's always trying to fuck either one or both of the daughters. <laughs> and uh, the Dr. West, Dr. Uh, Dr. Weston knows it like he hates the guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and as then, he should. And then uh, at the actual hospital stuff, he uh, he has a sassy Southern uh, secretary played by Park Overall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she was like, yeah, and, all right, here, Dr. Weston, <laughs> like, like, like just giving an attitude and Southern voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that became a show. It became popular. It ran from 1988 to 95. Uh, it's a good run. And, and like I said, the characters will make frequent appearances throughout each, each other's shows, and I, I actually. Estelle Getty actually joined the cast of Empty Nest in his last seasons. Really? As Sophia. Yeah, she, okay. joined, she joined the cast of the show. And another show that spun off of uh, Empty Nest is a show called Nurses. And basically, it's just the whole thing about you know nurses working at the same hospital as Dr. Wesson. And, and actually, one of the things that happened is, is one of the few times in television history where three shows with the same producer set in the same city and they ran back to back to back on the same network. Hmm. And they actually had one mega crossover called uh, Halloween's, uh, excuse me, um, Hurricane Saturday. The whole get down was this big hurricane came to Miami and it ran from the Golden Girls or Golden Palace to Empty Nest. To nurses and they how it affected them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great way to do a crossover. Yeah. And a storm makes sense. Yes, it is. Yes. Now the next show here. Uh, have you ever heard a show called Good Morning, Miss Bliss? I can guarantee you, I have not. Okay. You uh, went deep on your research, man. Yes, I, I like it. Hey, but you gonna but the show that spun off, I'd be like, oh, okay. So Good Morning, Miss Bliss was a show that was originally broadcast on the Disney Channel. It's basically a Haley Mills, you know, Parent Trap yeah. Haley Mills. She was a a teacher and she was like in this junior high in Indianapolis and basically her dealing with these group of kids and shit like that. Now what happened was uh, the show wasn't really that popular but people liked the kids and they decided to take the kids and give them their own show which became Saved by the Bell. Oh shit. Yeah. It started on a show called Good Morning Miss Bliss. The original kids were Zach, Lisa, and Screech. And Mr. Belding was on the uh, Hello, Hello. Was it Go- the same casting? More or less, yes. Same <laughs> cast. And, um, uh, and Mr. Belding was on Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Then All eventually right. they took those characters, gave them their own show, and they added A.C. Slater and Kelly Kapowski and Jesse. And they moved it from Indianapolis to the fictional city of Bayside, California. And they added the Max and all the all Bayside High and all Which that actually, I, I went to a... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, I, the, went the, to a, I went to a pop-up yeah, of the yeah, Max yeah, yeah, with, yeah. My, with my wife when we were dating. yeah. I mean, it's look. If you were into that show, mm-hmm. you were into that show. Yeah. I, I mean, know. that's it's it's. I, I I was just barely outside the window on it, so I never really got into it as much. Yeah. I was probably a little more into you know. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I'm not going to say any of the Disney shows necessarily, but definitely more towards like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that kind of shit. I was yeah. definitely more on the uh, the fantasy kind of more male driven side of stuff. Funny enough, I actually did watch Saved by the Bell. I watched the entire original run of Saved by the Bell. When it, well, like when it was on the first time around. Yeah. I did. I did. I was probably watching. What was it? Uh, flash forward. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that. On I know. I do remember that. Well, flash forward. Yeah. The wow. kid. Remember the kid was like. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, it was Ben Foster. Yeah. Young Ben Foster. Yeah. And he was insanely into like uh, monster movies, especially like the old shit. Wow. It was a lot flash. of fun, and it was because it was a junior flash high. Forward. He was a junior high kid. It was a great, great film. Dude. And honestly, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That guy, of all the actors I yeah. can think of right now, mm-hmm. he's probably the biggest sleeper out there. Because no. he is a hell of a performer. Mm-hmm. But he, he's only once or twice, maybe three times I can think of, had an opportunity to really showcase his chops. Yeah. You got Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. Did you see... Um, um, he was in the X-Men. The host, or Hostage? Yeah. Killer and Hostage yeah, he, is the bad yeah, guy yeah, in Hostage. Guy. Yeah, he, was, uh, he was like this... Uh, Almost, a, he was like a cyberpunk with a bunch of piercings in the Punisher. Okay, well, and then I was gonna say in uh, Alpha Dog. Yes, he was. Yes, he, he was, was great in Alpha Dog. Yeah, he was the angel in X Men: The Last Stand. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, and your MCU's your world. I'm not gonna say anything. I'll let you. <laughs> but but the idea, Ben Foster. Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. a killer actor. Yeah. All right. So what happened was that show became insanely popular. It eventually ended when they all you know graduated from high school. Now what happened was after that they had two spinoffs of that show. First off was Saved by the Bell of the College Years, mm-hmm. which basically followed just uh, Zach Screech and uh, A.C. Slater in college. You know, they had, you know, they got girl, the new girls now, and they got, like, you know, new adventures and shit going in college, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't really do that well. Um, by the way, A.C. Slater does not age. No, he does. He looks exactly the same. Dude, I, I saw him. Mm-hmm. I saw him at, uh, what was it? I think he, oh, I remember. He was, he was like, doing a presentation of medals or something at a Special Olympics thing here in L.A., uh-huh. I was running uh, like a video wall for it. Yeah, the dude still looks like he's like twenty years old. Exactly, it's insane. He's at least fifty. Mario Lopez, I don't know what yeah. kind of genetics that guy's got, but it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, they did a thing where uh, they brought back the original cast on Fallon. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody is aged horribly except, except AC Slater. He, he's he's honestly he's like he's like Tom Cruise in that way. Just add a just add a little Jericho mullet. He looks still he, he still looks, looks exactly like, like AC Slater. Fucking nuts, man. And from everything I've heard... Looks the and same, then, it sounds the same. What was I saying? From everything I've heard, hell of a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I heard the same thing. Because you can't... Unfortunately, you can't say that about everybody from any of these shows we're talking but about. But let you know, folks, just from, like, um, on the outside of uh, the whole acting circle, uh, even news of uh, very, very well-known people travels to us, and yeah, I've, I've, all I've ever heard of Mario Lopez is that he's a great guy. Great guy, super, super approachable, and just yeah. really cool with everybody. So, kudos. So they, kudos. There you go, Mario. Good genetics and good pedigree. He got and he got a shout out from dropping that culture. Damn right, man. He's basically an Oscar winner at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, same about the Bell of College years follows the guys, and then eventually Kelly sh- joined the show towards the end. And the ending episode was like they turned into like this TV movie, uh, Say by the Bell, Wedding in Vegas, where Kelly and uh, Zach get married. Because that's what everyone wanted. That's what everybody wanted. Yeah, and then they have another spinoff of Say by the Bell, Say by the Bell, the new class. So they wanted they went back to Bayside, and they had this new cast of kids, and nobody gave a shit about. Yeah, it didn't and, do too well. Yeah, and they brought back Mr. Belding, and they brought back Screech, but Screech is now Mr. Belding's administrative assistant, and he's of course <laughs> he's horrible at his job. But the whole yeah the whole get down is this new class of kids again, and nobody cared about it, so it didn't last very long at all. Now, the next spinoff that I really enjoyed here, that a lot of people enjoyed, uh, from the $6 million man. Okay. Yeah, of course, you know, the 1970s TV show starring... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lee Majors as uh, Colonel Steve Austin, who is this astronaut who gets injured in a grave accident. Uh, he, we have the technology. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. <laughs> we have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Such a Austin. crazy concept. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Crazy better, concept, yeah. but great show. Better, stronger, 
faster. <laughs> Get a six million dollar man shit. But yeah, he be, he went from like just an astronaut and who pretty much was gonna be a paraplegic and blind and one eye for the rest of life to this super spy, super age, secret agent in the nineteen seventies. And he would all the, the hallmark of the show was him displaying his powers because he would run and do shit in slow motion with the special effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like two bionic legs, one bionic proof, arm. Proof. Yeah. That sound matters. <laughs> yes, yeah. One bionic arm and uh one bionic eye that was like he had like a photographic memory because yeah. of some shit like that. Yeah. But the show was And you have yeah. Lee Majors. Yeah, Lee Majors was immensely popular at that time. And it's an immensely popular show. Uh the the two episodes that are, one of the episodes, uh well actually yeah, it was two episodes that are really popular. The most popular episode is the Bigfoot episode. <laughs> where he goes his Bigfoot yeah. and it's Andre the Giant. And, well, and, 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 all, with and not only is it a Bigfoot, it's a bionic Bigfoot. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna, yeah. if you're gonna do it, yeah. So this, yeah, but yeah. Like, did they ever explain how the? I don't even remember. Did they ever explain mm-hmm. how the hell they end up with a bionic Bigfoot? Yeah. Who, he's, who he, built that? Was that the Russians? It, it, no, it's aliens. <laughs> it's kind of like when they jumped the shark. So yeah, but yeah, it's aliens that created hey, the bionic. Hey, look at that. Bigfoot. We brought it full circle. Yeah, it was aliens that <laughs> it was aliens that created the bionic Bigfoot. One of them was actually Stephanie Powers. Oh God! Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, is it, but the whole hallmark of that is the fight between Lee Majors and, and Andre the Giant is Bigfoot. Yep. But another very popular episode was the episode entitled "The Bionic Woman." It was a two-parter. Yep. Uh, and it was written by Ken Johnson, who was actually the writer and creator of the Incredible Hulk TV show. Yeah. The, don't make me angry. The, the line "Don't make me angry. You won't like me when you're angry." That's a Ken Johnson line. Yep. So he created that show, but the uh, Bionic Woman episode featured uh, Lindsay Wagner, actress Lindsay Wagner, as a woman named Jamie Summers, who was an old uh, love of Steve Austin, who became a professional tennis player. But unfortunately, she gets into a parachuting accident with Steve. As <laughs> always happens with tennis stars. Exactly. And she ends up in an accident that also leaves her in a very similar situation as Steve, where she's basically going to lose both her legs, one arm, and her ear, hearing in one ear. So Steve makes the call and gets them some bionic replacements. So she becomes the bionic woman. Unfortunately for her, her body rejected the bionic hardware in the episode, mm. and she would have like these fits of like bionic rage, where she like tear shit yeah. apart or whatever. And eventually, it like the bionics were like too much for her system to work, and she died in the episode. However, the episode was so goddamn popular that they decided to bring her back. They explained it that she was they actually saved her using a experimental cryogenic process. And but the but the side effect was she lost her memory, so she didn't remember who Steve was, and she basically started right. this new life. As Jamie Summers, uh, Bionic Secret Agent again for the Bionic Woman TV show that was also uh, ran concurrently with the Six Million Dollar Man. Funny enough, they would have crossovers, but the two shows were on two different networks. Uh, but, uh, Six Million Dollar Man was on ABC. The Bionic Woman was on NBC. Yeah, but the the explanation is again because this is before the repeal of the FinCEN rules. Mm-hmm. It was the same producer. Mm-hmm. So when you have the same producer, yeah, Ken Johnson, he own, he owns everything. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. he's able to say, "Yeah, I don't care. I'm going to put this one on this side because he's basically paying himself to have the crossover set, uh, side of things." Exactly. So, like I said, both of those shows are super popular. They're still popular in syndication to this day. Yep. And they had actually had some bionic uh, TV movies, which is the the thing in the uh, late '80s. They brought back everything for a TV movie. They had a Bionic Ever After, the Bionic Showdown. And uh, it was another one, The Return of the, Bi- the $6 Million Man, The Bionic Woman. Yeah. And it brought back Lindsay Wagner and uh, Lee Majors as Bionic People. 
Now the next one is a kind of a weird one. Soap. Remember that show? I gotta refresh my memory. Soap, the TV show, was actually done by the same producers of the Golden Girls. I believe it's like Witt and Harris. Okay. Susan Witt and something Harris. Tim, I think Timothy Harris is on later. But yeah, they produced this TV show. It was basically a sitcom that used soap opera fucking storylines and shit and made it funny. But it was a really, really funny and innovative show for its time. It had like uh, Catherine Hellman okay. and Richard Mulligan again. <laughs> Uh, Billy Crystal was on it. He actually the character, his character on the show, Jody Dallas is the first gay character on television. Really? Yep. Jody Dallas on on, on uh, soap. Yeah. He uh, basically the premise of the show is these two families, the Tates and the Campbells, and it's these two sisters, Jessica Tate and Mary Campbell, and their two families will have these crazy, ridiculous soap opera fucking like uh, storylines <laughs> and shit. They had like fucking you know uh, murder, amnesia. You know, uh, rape, uh, fucking like oh, affairs, uh, top of affairs, <laughs> uh, fucking the people like they had like a one character was like harboring a fucking uh, South American uh, fucking dictator. Uh, <laughs> one of them had a baby that was possessed, uh, possessed by the devil. One of the characters got abducted by aliens and replaced by an alien robot. Soap opera shit. Yeah. But the most popular character, on, one of the most popular characters on the show was Jessica's waiter. Oh, uh, Jessica's a uh, butler. Benson Dubois. Huh. And that show, the character, spun off to his own show, Benson. Yeah. Yeah. But, thank God, the producers of Benson decided to give it more of a traditional sitcom. Yeah, sitcom feel. Yeah, so, uh, so, yeah. But, yeah, Benson was played by the late Robert Guillaume. And to this day, I think he's still the only black actor or the last black actor to win Best Supporting Actor for an Emmy. And that was like over 30 years ago. No black actor has won it since. Yeah. Um, but he was, you know, so good at what he did, you know what I'm saying? And freaking, he killed it as Benson because he was a sassy black, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a sassy black butler or a sassy black housekeeper and shit. And he eventually left and got his own shit. And uh, they only have one tie-in to Soap. Um the tie-in to Soap is that uh, Benson leaves the Tate family, Jessica Tate, the Catherine Hellman character, to go work for her cousin, uh, Mayor Gatling, uh, who was like <laughs> this uh, mayor out here. Oh, I'm sorry, Governor Gatling, who was actually the governor here in California. <laughs> and Benson, in a 10-year span of the show, well, the, the show ran from like 1979 to 1986. In that near, whatever, eight, whatever eight years, whatever, he went from the butler to lieutenant governor of the state of California <laughs> within 10 years. That's not a bad uh, career hell, trajectory. Hell no, man. <laughs> like, he fucking, Benson took it, man. He, he was, and it, they did it in stages. He was like the brother, then he became like the financial advisor, then he became lieutenant governor, and then they actually, the cliffhanger of the show is there's actually a governor race between Benson and Governor Gatlin. And the end of it is the election results, and they never really They never won. show? They never show who won. So that was like the original Sopranos ending? More or less, yeah. And it's like, just, everyone's just mad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they never show who won. Yeah. You know what? I'm looking at it. We're, uh, we're getting close to our, our longest podcast. Let's do, because um, I know we got a bunch more to go through. Let's do one more, but let's make it, uh, make it a little more modern. Okay. Uh, let's, go, let's go like 90s, 2000s. Okay. We're going with 90s, okay. Right. Uh, the Tracy Ullman Show. Okay. And it's spin off The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. The Simpsons started out as basically small skits. On the Tracy Ullman show, and yep. they, yeah, they were uh, you know they had they were very crude, and the voices were crude and oh, funny. You, you watch those, yeah. early, even watch season one. Yeah. You watch that early stuff, man. They look so weird. Yeah, yeah they look so weird. But freaking, like the characters, they originally started out 
they actually became uh, they actually started on the third episode of the first season of the Tracy Ullman show. They're originally supposed to be on an occasional basis, alternating between certain episodes. But the reaction from the shorts was so positive that after like seven times, they appeared like seven times in the first season. After that, they get basically got promoted to full time status on the show, and they were basically in every episode in season three and four until eventually spinning off to their own show. Now, um, two of the cast members of the Tracy Ullman show are the cast members of The Simpsons: Dan Castellaneta, Homer, and Julie Kavner, Marge. They started out on the Tracy Ullman show. Well, and that's a, that's a hell of a place to start. And then by by the time you get them uh, breaking out and doing their own thing, mm-hmm. you have the immensely talented Frank Azaria. That's right. Yeah. And then we got uh, so since pretty much we got to wrap this shit up. All right. What I had here is like there's a bunch of like different like uh, uh, well, shows. Don't, don't don't give too many away because we could do a part two. I know. I know we can. But like, but I'll just like do one last thing where it's like a just kind of rapid fire thing. Okay. Now. We know there are different shows, different franchises that have like way too many spinoffs to name. Mm. So what I wanted to do real quick of the ones that we know of, I just wanted one of those both to name our favorite of those franchises. Okay. First off, Star Trek. What's your favorite Star Trek spinoff? You know, I, I came up on Next Gen, so I'm going to stick with Next Gen. Because I love Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Voyager was good. The originals are good. But I got I to gotta, I gotta dance with who brung me. Mm-hmm. I got to give it to Captain Picard. I got to give it to, uh, to, well, to, to uh, Worf, right? And then... Uh, um, I want to give it to Troy. Deanna Troy. I want to give it to Troy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely... Deanna wanna, Troy. I definitely want to give it to Troy. Yeah, Actually, I, I want to give it to Dr. Crusher, too. I had to thank for her, too. <laughs> yeah, All sure. right, so your, yours. Okay, mine, Deep Space Nine, actually. Yeah? I, I, as I've gotten older, I've come to find myself gravitating more towards that because I love the fact of a black captain, uh, Ben Sisko. And plus, I just love how the, uh, they do the whole thing with like them in the ship, traveling and different shit or whatever. But at the same time, the life in the station itself is as chaotic as anything else. Well, and it's it's super interesting too when you bring in like the Ferengis and Quark, and yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of different new aliens that yeah. originate in there that yeah. you just. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a mm-hmm. lot of attempts to get into some new worlds and some some new. Um, yeah. New alien life with next gen, but it, it yeah. never never hits. And I, I get your yeah. point with Deep Space. Plus, two it had two of the best storylines of, of the Star Trek franchise to me: uh, the Ben Sisko as the emissary prophet storyline and the Dominion War storyline. Both yeah. of them were on Deep Space Nine. So solid. Yeah. Okay. So there's the, those mine. Law and Order. What's your favorite Law and Order spinoff? Does it have to be a spinoff? Because I mean, here's the thing: like mm-hmm. SVU is pretty solid and everything. Mm-hmm. I actually I really dig Major Crimes. If I have to pick. A spinoff, mm-hmm. but I, I love the original. Major Crimes is another show, isn't it? Uh, oh no, it's um, Criminal Intent. No, it's not Criminal Intent. There's another one that's like the uh, it's it's high it's um, is shit. It? It's the one with what's his name from uh, uh, from Full Metal Jacket. Arlie Army. No, 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 not Arlie Army. The the dude who shoots himself. Oh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Criminal yeah. Intent. Oh, it's Criminal Intent. It's Criminal Intent. I thought I thought it was. I thought they had a different name for it because they're they're talking about it's like the no that the actual the actual the, unit stuff is called the uh, Major Crimes Unit. Okay, so that's why I was getting yeah this yeah, stuff. It's yeah. A Major Crimes. So it's Criminal Intent. Sorry. Yeah yeah, but yeah, same thing with me, Criminal Intent. Because yeah. I love the uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Orin Orin uh, Gorin Eames relationship. I like that. Character. Yeah, I mean that that's a great relationship. The thing I like about mm-hmm. the original is a lot of the cast. Okay. Because you have a lot of really uh, interesting big time cast members that come through there. Mm-hmm. All right, and lastly. Uh, what's your favorite version of Scooby Doo? Uh, I'm gonna go. With, I, I well, shit, man. I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because there's there's something really great about the way they did it in the first iteration in the 70s. Mm-hmm. 
I'm this one. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna guess on. I'm gonna stick with the original. Okay. Well, my favorite uh, spinoff of Scooby Doo is actually a pup named Scooby Doo. That's the first one that actually exposed me to the character. Oh, really? A pup named Scooby Doo because he used to air on ABC Kids and shit, and fuck it, it was great, man. See, so. I, I started with the original watching it with my my mom. First one I saw was a pup named Scooby Doo. All right. All right. So. Well, I mean, and there there it goes again. Nostalgia wins. Right. <laughs> Where'd you start? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is where I started. All right. So again, this might be. This could be a new record. This might be a new record for the longest podcast we've ever done. Like we just keep breaking this record every well, week. You know what? We got yeah. a lot of fun stuff to talk about, yeah. and for whatever reason, we got people that like listening. So we're <laughs> we're appreciative of that. And it's a blast. Yeah, I love man. it every time. It's the best part of my week. You're damn right, line too, man. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up for you, fast. Like uh, we will really hope you enjoyed the show uh, as much as we do. We're gonna try to do more of these shows where we focus on one subject matter. Uh, you know what I'm saying like we like watch alongs and we like the ones where we just do random yep. shit but like these ones where we just go into like one subject and just go full on into it I like that shit yeah for and, sure and then like, there's like there's like subjects within this one subject that we can like, continue like I want to do a Muppet show I definitely want to do a Scooby Doo show for sure we definitely got to do a Star Trek show oh dude yeah saying we got to do a Star Trek show is like saying we got to do a Star Wars show we can go yes. for episodes and episodes exactly. on both those properties exactly so it's so dope yeah for sure <laughs> yeah well and then, look here's thing too you got uh you got dropping that culture on facebook you drop mm-hmm. us a line let us know what you'd like to hear more of less yes, of yes you know, we'll, we, we might take it under advice yeah so please visit the dropping that culture facebook page and uh like i said give, give us a line let us know what yeah. you think man like and like i said continue to support uh like i said check out belsaverse on facebook check out belsaverse on instagram uh we're gonna see i think we'll try to get a uh, twitter and we also have the uh dropping that culture youtube page we're so on youtube you, we're yes. on uh we're on spotify which actually is yes. where most people are listening to us these days yes. we're on Podbean, yeah itunes uh google play is uh, a little bit tougher not to crack for some apple, reason apple, with apple podcast and all that stuff we all we're, 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 we're doing it yes we are all right so we hope you enjoyed the show this has been dropping that culture with jd and aj uh, folks, you hope you folks have a good night. Dropping that culture. 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 Dropping that culture.